Hello and welcome back to Corona Cold Reads, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Now that we've completed Shakespeare and Chekhov's canons, our troupe of professional and amateur theater lovers together is taking on great works across mediums. So from Aaron Sorkin to indie playwrights, Valentine's rom-coms, French classics, Greek tragedies, so much more. We've got everything coming up for you. So Shaw, Stoppard, Moliere, Efron, and so much more coming down the pike. So for you to enjoy in audio form here on our podcast feed, or if you want to catch all of our costumes, props, effects, and unplanned pet appearances, um, all of our readings are also available on our YouTube channel. Just search My Entertainment World and you'll see it there. Um, please keep in mind that these are genuinely cold readings. We're publishing unedited, so bear with us through some stumbles, tangents, and of course, every time someone's accidentally on mute. Um, that happens all the time. Sometimes people don't show up. You just got to bear with us. Uh, so to make sure you don't miss any of our content, be sure to subscribe on YouTube or on our podcast feed where you'll find episodes of all our favorite ongoing series, including this one, of course, as well as the Shakespeare series, the favorite series, Corona Movie Club, exclusive interviews, as well as our annual MLB roundtable discussion, which is my very favorite thing we do. So follow us on social media at MyEntWorld, my E-N-T world. Um, and of course, check out the website, MyEntertainmentWorld.ca, where you can find all of the above, as well as reviews, editorials, artist spotlights, and so much more. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the show. So our next season is just a mini season. We did two French classics. Um, and to me, when we're talking about uh, French theater, there is nothing that beats Cyrano de Bergerac. It's a classic for a reason. Um, it is just one, it's one of the most beautiful heartbreaking stories that has been appropriated and um, used throughout pop culture. There is a huge new movie coming out very soon. Um, it's very, very famous uh, and it's been adapted and adapted and adapted, but that original script with the beautiful uh, Rostand poetry is to me unmissable. You just, you, you have to return to the original um, and so we did. Uh, one thing to note here is that this one was long, very, very long. So you might want to break it up into a couple different sessions if you're if you're planning to listen uh, all the way through. Maybe do it in stages because it's a long one. And the other thing is that there are like thousands of characters in Cyrano de Bergerac, and so we've got this like. It's sort of there's sort of two sections to our cast. We've got our main players, um, led by Elizabeth Devet Ramirez, who played Cyrano. Um, she directed it back in college, and so she's got a, a really close connection with this text. Um, so it was really it was really fun to see her return to it. She does a beautiful job. Definitely check out the YouTube because she did have a nose. And it was great. Uh, she's got a hat and everything. She really does it up, and she does a wonderful job. Um, and so we have them and we have, uh, Hillary Warding as our Christian, um, who stepped in last minute when we lost our Christian, uh, Elizabeth Rose Morris is our Roxanne. She's beautiful. Melissa Wright was our LeBray. And that was a lovely thing because Melissa LeBray is such a like steady, um, confidant character, uh, who's really got, got his act together and is just there to sort of support everybody else. And like, he's very low trauma and Everybody else around him is always swirling, and he's the voice of reason. There's something very Melissa Wright about that for me, uh, so I loved that casting. Um, and then Weldon Gorey plays our Ragano. He also doubles as as Bella Rose, 
Um, and uh, Gabby Grice, uh, who here we credited as Gabrielle Simone Grice, which is her full name, um, because it's very official in French. Um, she plays our de Guiche, who is the villain, um, but she's just she's absolutely fabulous and kind of heartbreaking, which I really appreciate. Um, so that's sort of the the core cast, and they a couple of them are doubled, but for the most part, they're just them. And then we've got this cast of players. The, the I call them the, the utility players, and. That's Laura Hubbard, Marlo Shaw, uh, Nicole Falgu, Saya Floyd, Tal Katz, Mark Crater, Christopher Prentice, Sean Wilson, and Shaylin Bass McFall. And these guys play everybody else. Like, everybody else. They have, like, nine characters each. Um, for example, Laura's list is food seller, another voice, first precieuse, first cook, third poet, century, sister Marta. That's all one person. Um, so you have to... Yeah. Uh, they will try to differentiate their voices as much as possible, but there is a limit to the human ability to throw your voice. So uh, try to keep track of who the people are. For the most part, though, it's those main characters that if you can latch onto them, you can they'll pull you through. And then everybody else filling out the rest of the world is um, working way harder than they should have to. We should have had a few, maybe a few more cast members. And um they are filling out the rest of that world for you. But if you get a little lost, don't worry about it. Just stay connected to Elizabeth as Cyrano and she'll pull you through. Um, so this is a beautiful classic that is absolute must read. If you've never seen or read Cyrano, do it. Um, but listen to this first and I hope you enjoy. The cast of Cyrano de Bergerac. Um, our Cyrano is Elizabeth Yvette Ramirez. Hello. Our Christian is Hilary Wardinger. Hi, everyone. Roxana is Elizabeth Rose Morris. Hello. Lebre or Lebret, I don't know. I wasn't listening. Lebret is Melissa Wright. Hi. Uh, Ragano and Belle Rose is Weldon Gorey. Bonsoir. Comte de Guiche and an actress, Gabrielle Simone Grice. Hi! <laughs> A food seller, another voice, first precious, first cook. Third poet, Sentry, and Sister Marta is Laura Hubbard. Hello. The doorkeeper, Montfleury, another actress, second cook, fourth poet, Mother Marguerite, Marlo K. Shaw. Hello. A cavalryman, pickpocket, second precieuse, third cook, first cadet, and Sister Claire is Nicole Falgu. Hello. Our musketeer, third precieuse, Duenna, fourth cook, sixth, sixth cadet, and none, Saya Floyd. No. Uh, first Marquise, Jodelet, Young Musketeer, Apprentice, Second Cadet is Tall Cats. Hi. Quiji, a lady, Fourth Precieuse, Lise, a porter, Fourth Cadet, Mark Crater. Hello, everyone. Brisai, a boy, Citizen's Son, First Child, a man of letters, Another Sentry, and the Fifth Cadet is Christopher Prentice. Hello. Linier, Citizen, First Poet, Second Cadet, Capuchin, and Soldier, Sean Wilson. Bonjour! Second Marquise, Vicomte de Valvert, Second Poet, Third Cadet, Shailen McFall. Cyrano de Bergerac, Act One, A Theater. 
Playgoers of all ranks and stations of early 17th century Parisian society move around, take their seats and arrive noisily. The candles have not yet been lighted so that the dark corners invite lovers or lechers. A pickpocket instructs his students in the art of pickpocketing. A solid citizen points out distinguished members of the audience to his son. A girl has set up a little table with food and drink on it. She shouts her wares. Oranges, pomegranates, syllabub, uh, lemonade. Hey, where's your 15 sous? Royal Household Cavalry. Hey, you. If the cavalry gets in free, a musketeer gets in freer. I like it a bit dark, don't you, dear? Uh, a food-selling girl resists his attempts to take her into the shadows and recovers her composure. She resumes calling her wares. Uh, raspberry cordial? Cordial, eh? Rebuffed, he goes after all the other possible conquests. There is a loud, arrogant noise off as of, as of aristoc aristocracy entering. Out of the way, you scum. Oh. <sighs> Exquisite proud, the Marquise enter. It's positively obscene, really, to come in early like this with the shopkeepers. Why, there aren't even any feet to tread on. He discovers oh. that other noblemen have arrived before him. Lavish greetings. Ah, oh, Versailles. Quigi. My dear, we're here with the devout before the candles are even lit. It puts me out of temper a bit, though. Not, a, uh, not all the thing. Don't pout. The lights are coming on now. The assembly greets the appearance of the candle lighter with cries of, ah! Lignere enters by the door opposite to that which the Marquises have used in company with Christian de Nouviet. The latter is handsome and elegant, though not quite in the mode. Lignere has the face of a distinguished drunkard. Christian is nervously looking for someone. Lignere! Not under the table yet? And introduction? Uh, the Baron de Nouviette. The assembly cries, ah, as the first lights go on. Huh. A nice little head of hair on the boy, yes? Who? <laughs> cool. uh, Messieurs de Quigy, de Brissailles. Handsome, handsome enough, if you like that type, I suppose. But, my dear, just look at the cut of his... The Baron only recently arrived from Turin. Ah, there she goes. Madame Aubrey. Three weeks. Oh, yes. Quite a crowd, eh? Uh, all the leaders of fashion. <gasps> Madame Guimet? De Bois de Fer. Whom once we were crazy for. De Chevigny. Who treats our hearts like the floor. Ah, here they come. Our precieuse. Our beautiful blue stockings. Barthenoidie, Yuramandante, Cassandes, Felixerie. Exquisite pseudonyms. Uh, they sound... Like high class diseases, really. You know them all, Marquis. <laughs> Marquis, I know them all. 
Look, Christian, as you know, I came here to help you if I could. Well, it seems pretty clear that the lady isn't coming, so I'll be on my way. I have some serious drinking ahead of me. He's to nurse for a... Beautiful woman without a name? Oh, her. Oranges, lemonade. Christian, I'm having quite the trouble hearing you. Oh, macaroons? Uh, afraid she'll be coquettish. Uh, Oranges? Lack of wit? They all speak and write. It eludes me. All I know how is to... Fight? A soldier conquered by two enemies, shyness and love. I know who she is. Wait till she comes. She's bound to come. Oh, no. Thirst waits for no one. Sorry, I must go. I have the whole of Paris to swim through. Orange Jade? Oh, God. Milk? My sweet young dairy maid. I was weaned a long time ago. Muscadel? Muscadel? Hmm. Uh, let me see it. Uh, very well. I'll wait a short while longer. He sits by the buffet and the girl pours him a large glass of wine. Meanwhile, a fat, well-pleased little man has entered. Some members of the audience call his name in recognition. Reginald! This man, you really have to know, the Prince of Pastry Cooks. Ragano, now seen to be in his very best clothes, advances on Lignier in some agitation. Monsieur Lignier, have you seen Monsieur Cyrano anywhere? Uh, cake maker to actors and poets. Oh, really now? Quiet, you patron of the tarts, of arts. I, I allow. <laughs> Some of these gentlemen may honor my... Uh... On credit. He's a poet himself, of course. Well, some have said it. He's mad. Cracked. Crazy about the tart. Art. I admit, for the odd little ode... He's been known to pay a full-size raspberry tart. Oh, say a tartlet. Buns, ghetto, and such. Buy him theater tickets. Tell us how much it costs you to come to this evening. Four fruit flans, uh, 15 cream buns. Let's leave this matter, please. I'm more concerned about the plan or plans of Monsieur Cyrano. What's all this? Montfleury is performing. Yes, he's treading a magic treasure. 300 pounds of pork and gelée. But Cyrano, what's it to do with Cyrano? Surely you know that he warned Montfleury on pain of his displeasure to keep off the stage for a month. Well, and so? Montfleury plays tonight. An empty sort of veto, believe me. Oh, I, I think not, gentlemen. Oh, no, that's why I'm here. Where is he? Cyrano, what is he? A sort of... Metal merchant. Oh. Not aristocratic, then. Sufficiently so. He's in the guards, but there's his captain, Lebray. 
Yeah, he'll tell you anything you want to know. Lebray. Lebray, who has been walking up and down as if looking for someone, comes towards him. Are you looking for? I'm. I'm worried. Really worried. Yes, quite so. But what an extraordinary man he is! An exquisite being, one of the world's prodigies. Poet, swordsman, physician, musician, and telegrapher. What? So, I understand. He looks at the moon, broods on the lunar surface, speculates about the possibilities of someday getting there. A lunatic. His appearance, though, isn't that the real wonder? I honestly believe, gentlemen, that under that blessed moon, if he <clears throat> if is there never walked, stalked, rather, strutted, so extravagant, bizarre, far-fetched, excessive, hyperbolic, droll, mad, a gentleman ruffian is this Bergerac. With that uh, panache, uh, or treble-waving plume, his visible soul, as he calls it, on his hat, six slashes on his doublet, uh, and his cloak, which the flashing scabbard hoists up at the back to make it look like the tail of a barnyard cock, Cocky, insolent, gascony proud, he goes flaunting that Puccinello strawberry nose of his. Gentlemen, a nose that makes one feel like squealing, oh, God, no, it can't be real. It, it must be detachable. Is, I'm prepared to bet, but Cyrano's never been known to detach it yet. He wears it, or it him, and should anyone laugh, his sword swoops down and lops them clean in half. That blade is one of the Blade of Destiny's scissors. But he doesn't seem to be coming. Oh, yes, he is. As sure as my name is... There is a scissors of admiration in the hall. Roxana has just appeared, accompanied by her duenna. She sits. Christian, engaged in paying the food seller, is not looking. There she goes, see? How unbearably beautiful. A strawberry, mouth and peach flesh. And so fresh, so cold, she'd give one cardiac rheumatism. Christian raises his head, sees Roxana, grips Linier's arm so tightly that Linier nearly falls. All Christian can do is point dumbly. Ah, so that's the one. Yes, 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 yes. Who, who? Tell me. Oh, my knees are knocking. Uh, Magdalen Robin, nicknamed Roxana. Roxana. <sighs> Roxana. You know, Alexander's mistress. Alexander? Alexander the Great. Delicately reared. Bookish. Bookish? Oh, no. Still single. An orphan. Cousin to the Cyrano. We were... Talking about that just now. Who's that with her? He shivers with apprehension, indicating tremblingly an elegant gentleman with the blue ribbon around his neck who has gone over to Roxana to speak with her. That's the Comte de Guiche, complete with cordon bleu, totally smitten with her, but irreparably wed to the niece of none other than the Cardinal Richelieu. If he can't marry Roxana, 
he proposes to hitch her instead to a certain unpleasant Viscount, Monseigneur de Valvere. The Viscount is complacent. So de Guiche will push in there, if you understand me. She comes of the bourgeoisie, and de Guiche could unleash, if he wished, enough concentrated hell to make her wish she had never been born. Ah, well... That's de Guiche, the swine. I wrote a song about him, showing up his piggish Machiavellianisms. I'll sing it. <clears throat> no, I know. No, listen, this is how it ends. The bite of that aristocrat like that of any sewer rat infects the cart with such a glut of venom in the groin or gut that so they tell the victim's yell not from the pain but from the smell let me i've got to get at him let me who this this count of valet idiot small stuff like you what he'll eat you in the canapes and, and wait look she's looking at you it's true oh heavens so we'll be the ones to go me and my thirst he zigzags out the chief pickpocket seeing christian's contemplative raptness sidles towards him cyrano no cyrano i can't understand it oh it's possible he may not have seen the playbill I hope to God that's so. The audience calls, begin, begin. De Guiche leaves Roxana and crosses the pit accompanied by Viscount de Belvere and various obsequious hangers-on. Keeps quite a court, De Guiche. Another one of these Gascons, supple, cold, able. No doubt about it, Marquis. They get on. Shall we pay our respects? They go over and greet De Guiche. Such lovely ribbons, sir. What is this color called? Kiss me, my dear? Or just plain fun? Six Spaniard. Ah, that color tells no lie. Thanks to your lordship's valor, the Spanish force in Flanders, so we hear, will soon be very sick. I must take my place up there. Coming? He goes towards the stage, followed by his entourage. He notes that the Vicon is hanging back, his eyes on Roxana. Coming, Valda? Christian, who's been watching and listening, trembles with rage at the name. Good, that swine. Now let me throw it in his face, my... He thrusts his hand in his pocket and finds the pickpocket already at work at it. The apprentice pickpockets are shocked at their master's ineptitude. Quite a crush here tonight. We're practically in one another's pockets. I was looking for a glove. A glove, eh? And you've found a hand instead. Uh, don't turn me in, monsieur. <laughs> let go, and I'll let you into a secret. Yes. The legionnaire, him who was with you just now, he's going to get carved into little bits. What? Yes, I swear on my honor. He wrote this dirty song about this gentleman, one of the top ones, see? And he's going to get him. He's going to send along a hundred men. I'm one of them. That's how I know, you see. Say who it is. Oh, now, really, monsieur. Professional discretion. Where will they be, these men, this man? The order was to wait at the Port de Nacelle. 
that's on Legionnaire's way home. Get a message to him. How in God's name will I find him? Start off now. Try all the public houses, the red cow, the pineapple, the broken corset, try the lot. Jot down a note for him. Warn him while he can still read. Ugh, swine, cowards, a hundred men against one poet. Oh, but to have to leave her, him. His face and voice change from love to hate between the two pronouns. <sighs> poor Legionnaire. Oh, my God, I must save poor Legionnaire. He speaks these last words into a sudden silence, but he has no time to wonder at it. He darts off. Why the silence? The solid citizen, who is a pompous know-all, whispers to him. Are you sure? Up there, in that sort of confession box, Richelieu. He involuntarily crosses himself. Music starts. Lebray and someone still standing now sits. The curtain goes up and Montfleury is discussed, disclosed. He is hugely corpulent in a shepherd's costume, a rose-adorned hat, a slant on his ear, a bare-boned set of bagpipes in his arms. Montfleury! Good old Montfleury! Montfleury cannot be heard. But he graciously acknowledges the greetings. Still nothing, Mount Fleury. Far from the court and city, ah, how good to breathe the incense of the verdant wood in voluntary exile while the breeze croons tunes that melt the heart in ecstasies. You bloated nincompoop. Didn't I order you to keep off the stage for a month? Surprise, murmurs, protests. People seek the owner of the voice. It's him. Cyrano? Get off the stage at once. Look here. You have the nerve to hesitate? Carry on, Montfleury. Don't be intimidated. There's a chorus of agreement. Go. Ah. Fall from the court and city. Ah, how. Oh, good. See this stick, you clown? I'll plant a wood splinter by splinter all over your fat back. Get off the stage. <clears throat> a stick at the end of an arm is flourished above the heads of the audience. Far from the... From the... From the... Off! The audience makes continuing noises of protest. Far from the sort and kitty. Cyrano, leaping out of the dark, gets up onto a chair, his arms crossed, his hat cocked for hit battle, his mustache bristling, his nose most, most formidable. I'm going to lose my temper. There are cries of consternation at his appearance. Help me, gentlemen! Carry on acting. Not for four more weeks. One more word, and I lambast the shivering cheeks of your fat enough. Let these fine gentlemen sit still and shut up. Otherwise, my cane must poke beneath their ribbons. Montfleury, continue. Discontinue. Unless he needs disemboweling and his jowls cut off. Off, off, you awful. 
Lug your guts away, salami. No? No. Very well, then stay, and I'll remove you, slice by slice. While speaking, he makes the gesture of rolling up his sleeves. Montfleury summons his dignity. Monsieur, in insulting me, you insult the tragic muse. If the tragic muse had the dubious honor, fat sir, of your acquaintance, let alone a more fruitful connection, seeing the blubber ooze into your collar and your belly round as a clock, she'd kick your buttocks with her tragic sock. Carry on, Montfleury! Carry on with the play! Have some consideration for my scabbard, pray. She loves my sword and wants my sword to stay inside her. Leave the stage, you fool! Oh, now, do any of you have anything to say? Where's your authority? You go away. We, the majority, paid for a play. That's right, the play, the play, the the play. play. If I hear this song once more, they'll have to be a one-man massacre. Do you think you're Samson? Lend me your jawbone, sir, and you'll soon see. Disgraceful? Shocking. Scandalous. But fun. Oh, silence. I hereby herewith issue one collective challenge. How about you? You? Oh, come on now. Who'll be the first to breathe last? No? Really? Uh To me, first, uh, duelist. To my first duelist. I'll award the funeral honors that are his due. Raise your right hands, all those who want to die. It is perdure makes you not wish to eye my naked blade. Does nobody want to engage in a metallic romp? Good, let me speak then. I want something desperately simple. To see the stage rid of this hemorrhoid, goiter, abscess, tumor. And if the flux won't go of its own free will, well then, the lancet. He flourishes his sword. Montfleury makes whimpering noises very faint. Oh, please, a buffoon, are you still there? Please don't presume too much on my good humor. I'll clap my hands three times, you blasphemy. You lunar parody, you moon of a man. Eclipse yourself on the third clap. Ready? One. I I don't leave. Don't go, don't go. Oh, Oh, don't go. (laughs) It seems to me. Two. On a mature consideration. Three. Montfleury disappears through a trap door, as as through a trap door, a storm of roars and laughs and whistles. Coward, come back. You coward, coward, come back. Oh, let him come back if he dares. Monsieur Bergerac, this is irregular. I demand a few words from the head of the company. Elrose appears nervous. Elrose! Uh, my lords, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I, I don't know... Jodelay! Bring on Jodelay! 
The audience joins yeah. the cry for Jodele. Jodele appears speaking nasally. You flock of mutton heads. Bravo! Let's have no bravos. This dis- distinguished thespian, whose paunch you all you love so much, has had to go. He's scared. Be charitable. Say he's a sick man. But what are your reasons, sir? Why do you show such enmity toward Mumflery? Oh, young Minnie, or ass, or oaf, whichever you prefer. Uh, I have two reasons, but let one suffice. This Montfleury of your of yours is a deplorable mouther, a grunter, grimacer, posturer, who tears his lines to shivers with a, a tinny voice, like a like a brandy cage full of white mice. But this this is totally intolerable to deprive us without a scruple of a play as great as this one. The work to which you refer, you mule, is worth uh, rather less than a mule's bray. I silenced it without compunction. My dear. You hear that? Honestly, what can one say? Dear Lord in heaven. Ladies of rank and beauty, shiners, enchanters, take it as your duty to inspire the poet's poem or epigrammatic witticism, but... Keep your pretty paws off dramatic criticism. All about all the money we'll have to give back. Belrose puts us all right. Yes, money matters. Let it never be said that Cyrano de Bergerac wished to see Thespis' robes grow full of tatters. He gets up and throws a bag of cash on the stage. Take that. Take off. The audience expresses various mm. emotions. Jodele picks up the bag and weighs it in his hands. If you'll guarantee a sack of loot like this, I'm ready to guarantee to let you shut the theater every night. The audience boos and hisses for three beats of a line. Even mm. if we get hissed and booed for it. All right. All right, let's clear the hall. People start to leave while Cyrano looks on, well-satisfied, but the majority are curious as to what will happen next. The ladies, already rising, stop to listen and end by sitting down again. It's mad. Yes, mad. The very famous actor has his grace, the Duke of Candale, as a protector. Do you have a patron? Nope. No patron? Nope. No patron to protect you with his name. No, for the third time. I'm protected just the same. This is my patroness. You'll have to go. You can't stay here in Paris. Really? Good God, man. The Duke, don't don't you know how long an arm the Duke possesses? It'll be less long than mine when I've uh, screwed on this steel extension rod. You honestly think you're able to do him harm? It's possible. As for you, please turn your toes the other way. Eh? Turn your toes and walk. Or tell me why you're looking at my nose. Really, I... uh, Unusual? Is that it? Oh, come on, talk. Talker, tell me all about it. Really, I... I try not... To look at your nose, sir? Really? Why? 
Does it disgust you? No, no, not, not at all. Too big? Is that it? Oversized. It's small. Terribly small. It's minute. Minuscule. Compound your insolence with ridicule. Would you? My nose is small, eh? Small. Oh, God. My nose, sir, is enormous. Ignorant Claude, cretinous moron. A man ought to be proud. Yes, proud of having so proud an appendix of bone and flesh to crown his countenance. Provided a great nose may be an index of a great soul. Affable, kind, endowed with wit and liberality and courage and courtesy. Like mine, you rat brain dunce. And not like yours, a, a vat of rancid porridge. As for your wretched mug... He strikes it. Both the victim and his son are surprised, but the son modulates his surprise in a kind of awe that his father is deflated thus. All that it shows is a lack of fire, spunk, spark, of genius, pride, a lack of the lyrical and picturesque, of moral probity, in brief, of nose. He takes him by the shoulders, joining word and gesture. To fist nothingness would be grotesque. So take a boot to your backside. Cyrano kicks him. The citizen gasps and goes off fearfully. The son follows, but looks back at Cyrano in continued awe and dawning pleasure. He's a bit of a bore. A braggart. Who shall it be, gentlemen? In very bad taste. Only a pig of a plebeian would sprout a snout like that. May I leave it to... Yes, you can leave it to me. He stands in front of Cyrano, foppish, <clears throat> bare-boned, demetled. That thing of yours is... big. What? Very big. Makes a finger gesture towards it. Just what I said myself. <laughs> Nothing more? Just a factuous smile? Oh, come, there are, there are 50 score varieties of comment you could find. You know, for instance, there's uh, <clears throat> the frank, aggressive kind. If mine achieved that hypertrophic state, I'd call the surgeon in to amputate. The friendly. Uh, it must dip into your cup. Uh, you need a, a nasal crane to hold it up. The, the pure descriptive. From its size and shape, I'd say it was a rock, a bluff, a cape. No, a peninsula. How picturesque. The curious, yeah. Oh, what's that? A-, a writing desk? The gracious, like, are you fond of birds? How sweet a gothic perch to rest their tiny feet. The truculent, uh, <clears throat> you a smoker? I suppose the fumes must gush out fiercely from that nose and, and people think a chimney is on fire. Consider it. It'll drag you in the mire head first. The, the weight that's concentrated there. Walk carefully. The tender hearted swear they'll have a miniature umbrella made to keep the rain off or, or for summer shade. And it comes the pedant. <clears throat> Let me see it, please. That mythic beast of Aristophanes, the hippocampal camel elephant, had flesh and bone like that quite stuck up in front. Insolent. 
Oh, quite a useful gadget that. You hold it high and then hang hang up your hat. Emphatic. No fierce wind from far or near save the minstrel could give that nose, Qatar. Impressed. What a sign of perfumery. Dramatic. When it bleeds, it's the Red Sea. Lyric. Ah, Triton rising from the waters, honking his wreathed conch at Neptune's daughters. Naive. How much to view the monument? Speculative. Tell me, what's the rent? For each or both of these unfurnished flats. Rustic. Nah, Elmer, that's no nose. Why, that's a giant turnip or a midget marrow. I'll dig it up. You look for the wheelbarrow. The warlike. Train it on the cavalry. Practical. Put, put it in the lottery for noses. It's bound to win first prize. And finally, with tragic cries and sighs, the language finally wrought and deeply felt. Oh, that this too, too solid nose would melt. That is the sort of thing you could have said if you, Sir Moron, were a man of letters or had an ounce of spunk inside your head. But you've no letters, have you? Save three, required for self-description. S-O-T. You'd better leave my worsting to your betters. Or better, who can best you? Meaning me. But be quite sure, you lesser feathered tit. Even if you possessed the words and wit, I'd never let you get away with it. Come away, Vicomte. Leave him. Arrogant, base, non-entity, without even a pair of gloves to his name, let alone the ribbons and lace and pom-poms that a man of breeding loves. Oh, I'm one of those who wear their elegance within. <laughs> to strut around and dance and prance, got up like a dog's dinner? That's not me. Less of a fop than you, sir, I may be, but I'm more wholesome. I've never wandered abroad without my insults, freshly laundered, or, or conscience with sleep pricked from its eye, <laughs> or honor with unragged cuffs. Why, my very scruples get a manicure when I walk out. I like to be quite sure I smell of nothing but scrubbed liberty and polished independence. You will see my soul a ramrod as if corseted. And as for ribbons, all I ever did, brave and adventurous, flutters on my clothes with spirits high, twirl like twirled like mustachios among the false and mean I walk about. And as for spurs, I let the truth clash out. No. Loves. You mentioned gloves. You have me there. I have this one left over from an old pair. An old, old pair. It's fellow I can't trace. I think I left it in some Vicomte's face. Cad, villain, clawed, flat-footed, bloody fool. And I'm Cyrano, Sevignen, Hercule de Bergerac. There. He gives Cyrano the mandatory glove blow in the face. Cyrano is unmoved. Would you be terribly bored if I composed a poem? Poet, eh? My lord, I'm one who can versify extempore, even when rattling ironmongery. I'll improvise a ballad. A ballad. Oh, sorry, my lord, to baffle you with hard technical expressions. I'll explain. Three eight standard lines, and then one quatrain. The quatrain's called an envoy. I propose to fight and, at the same time, to compose a ballad of strict classical design. 
uh, and then to kill you on the final line. Oh, no. No? Ballade of a fencing bout between de Bergerac and a foppish lout. Well, when you finished your doggerel recital... There was no doggerel. That was the title. The assembly is excited. There are shushes, tableau, a circle of watchers, mob and nobility all bunched up together. Cyrano closes his eyes an instant. Wait, let me choose my rhymes. Ape, eel. Good. Ready. The fight ballad begins. Cyrano suits actions to word throughout. I bear my head from crown to nape and slowly, leisurely, Reveal the fighting trim beneath my cape. And finally, I strip my steel, a thoroughbred, from head to heel. Disdainful of the rain or bit, tonight I draw a lyric wheel. But when the poem ends, I hit. Come and be burst, you grape. Spurt out the juice beneath your peel. Gibber and show, you ribboned ape, your the fat your folderols conceal. Let's ring your bells, a pretty peal. Is that a fly? I'll see to it. And soon you'll feel your blood congeal. For when the poem ends, I hit. I need a rhyme to hold the shape. Uh, Grape, fish, I'm going to wind the reel. My rod is lusting for its rape. The sharp tooth slavers for its meal. There, let it strike. Oh, did you feel the bite? Not yet. The the vultures sit until the closing of the deal. The poem ends, and then I hit. Envoy. Prince, drop your weapon. Humbly, I kneel. Seek grace from God in requisite repentance. Now, I stamp the seal. The vicomte staggers and falls. The poem ended, and I hit. General applause. Flowers and handkerchiefs are thrown. Officers congratulate Cyrano. Ragano dances with enthusiasm. Lebray is both pleased and worried. With the Cole's friends carry him off. The crowd lets out a long drawn ah. Superb. Superb. Exquisite. Phenomenal. Mad. Heroic. A young musketeer, not previously seen, goes up to Cyrano with enthusiasm, hand outstretched. Sir, I should be more than glad if you accept the homage, sir, of one who knows style when he sees it. Oh, well done! He goes away. Cyrano addresses Quigy. That gentleman, who is he? D'Artagnan. Uh, come on, let's talk. <sighs> Wait till the mob dies down. At the insistence of Bella Rose, the do- doorkeeper and cam- candleman, the audience is now dispersing, but Cyrano is still their cynosure. May-, may we stay here a while? Uh, of course you can. There are noises outside. Jodelet comes in from seeing who- what has been going on. He's been booted and hooted out of town, Montfleury. Uh, tragic stilts to running sandals seek transit. Changing his tone, he addresses the doorkeeper and candleman. Lock up, but don't douse the candles. We're rehearsing a farce for tomorrow in a quarter of an hour or so. First, though, dinner. Belrose and Jodelet leave after valedictory gestures of some theatricality, to which Cyrano gravely responds. 
Will you be dining? Oh, me? No. And why not? No money. I see. Every sou you'd got. Oh, shall we say, <laughs> one glorious day of life for a month's pay? And how will you live the month out? Well, I don't know. A stupid action. <laughs> glorious gesture, though. The food seller behind her table gives a little cough. Seeing the gray turn, she comes timidly forward. Uh, pardon, sir. I couldn't help but hear. Oh, you mustn't starve. Please have something. My dear, the pride of a Gaskin, you must understand, forbids my taking from your lily hand the tiniest morsel. But rather than rebuff such kindness, just a grape. One is enough. A glass of water half a biscuit this is stupid please something more your hand to kiss he kisses her hand as though it were that of a princess thank you sir good night she curtsies and leaves cyrano bows deeply then he settles himself behind the buffet and arranges the little meal before him well now we're able to talk at last Ah, oh, dinner's on the table. Main course, drink, dessert. Strangely, I find I've quite an appetite. Now, what is on your mind? Listen, those jingling fops with their bellicose airs are starting to twist and torture your ideas of gentlemanly behavior. Ask anyone of sense what they think of these carryings on. Delicious. Cardinal. He was there? The Cardinal is bound to find that sort of thing. Original? Have some sense. He's an author himself. He'll be in no rage to see someone else's play get kicked off the stage. But can't you understand? Your enemies are multiplying. How many new ones have I made? Excluding women, 48 by my count. Enumerate. Oh, Montfleury, the Viscount, the author and his admirers, and frightful de Guiche, of course, the Academy. Oh, delightful. This life of yours, where will it lead you to? What system is it based on? Bumbling through an aimless complication, forced to play too many parts. That was my old way. But now... What? Decided to take the simplest approach to life of all. Simplest and best. Best is the word. I've decided to excel in everything. I let that pass. Now, tell me the thing, please, that I really want to know. Your true reason, true mind, for this show of enmity toward Montfleury. That paunch, that ma, too fat to scratch his navel with his paw believes he's a sweet danger to the ladies. Why, even when mouthing tragedy, he's made his frog's eyes into sheep's eyes of fat lust. I've seen him, I've choked down my disgust, until one night, one victim he chose, oh, a slug slithering over a white rose. One lady. Yes? I was in love with? No, no, God knows. I am in love with. 
But you never said one word. How could anybody know? In love? Absurd, isn't it? This nose precedes me everywhere, a quarter of an hour in front, to say, beware, don't love Cyrano, to even the ugliest. And now Cyrano had to love the best, the brightest, the bravest, wittiest, the most beautiful. France cannot boast, not Europe, not all territories beyond, a girl more lysome, gossamer, fine, more blonde. Blonde? My God, who is this woman? She's a mortal danger without knowing it. Undreamed of in her own dreams, exquisite. A a rose leaf ambush where love lurks to seize the unwary heart. The unwary eye that sees her smile, sees pearled perfection. She can knit grace from a twine of air. The heavens sit in every gesture. Of divinities, she's most divine. Oh, Venus, amorous queen, you never stepped into your shell. Diana, you never glided through the summer's green as she steps into her chair and then is seen gliding through dirty Paris. Clear as a banner, her name, your cousin's name. Yes? Yes, it rhymes. Wonderful. You love her. Tell her you love her. The time's most opportune tonight. You're covered in glory in her eyes. This gross protuberance. Look at it. And tell me, what exuberance of hope can swell the rest of me? I'm under no illusion. Sometimes, bemused by the wonder of a blue evening, a, a garden of lilac and rose, letting this wretched devil of a nose breathe in the perfume, I follow with my eye under that silver glory in the sky, some some woman on the arm of a cavalier, a dream that I too could be strolling there with such a girl on my arm under the moon. My heart lifts and forget my curse. But soon, suddenly, I perceive what shatters it all. My profile shadowed on the garden wall. My friend. My friend. Why should Providence allot such ugliness, such loneliness? You're not crying? No. Never. Never that. Hmm. See, a long tear straggling along this nose would be intolerably ugly. I wouldn't permit a crystal tear fraught with such exquisite limpidity to be defiled by my gross snout. For tears are sublime things. And I, wedding a nymph to a rhinoceros, would render the sublime ridiculous. All right, not crying, but still sad. Yet love is an imponderable, not a matter of, well, nasal mensuration. March right in. If love, as they say, is a lottery, you can. No! I love Cleopatra. Have I Antony's glamour and glow and glory? If she's hero, though I can swim, I'm not Leander. A new Roxana needs a new Alexander. And I'm the great in only one respect. Helen of Paris. Who can she select but Paris of Paris? 
I'm not he. Yet your wit, your courage, they can earn love. Surely it was proved just now. The girl who offered you food, did her eyes show hate, revulsion? True. Well then, I saw Roxana's face tonight during your duel. It was ghastly white. Right. That skill, that courage ravished her. You're halfway there. Now dare to speak. So she can laugh at this? My man, there's nothing more I fear, more in this world. Monsieur, there's someone here who'd like to have a word with you. Oh, God. Roxana Chaperone. Excuse me, I have a message. The lady said she'd be glad if her brave cousin, as she puts it, would be good enough to meet her, as she puts it, in private. She wants to meet me? She has something to say to you, so she says to me. So she says to me to say to you that she has things. Oh, my God. To say to you. Oh, my God. She's going to mass, to early mass tomorrow, at dawn, that is, at St. Roche. Oh, my God. That's right. God, mass. She wants to know where she can meet you after mass to say what she has to say to you. Things. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, let me see. Where? I, I'm thinking. Where? Where? Uh, at, at the shop of Monsieur Ragano, the pastry cook. Where? At the shop of, oh my God, uh, in, in Rue Saint Honoré. Seven o'clock. She'll be there. I'll be there with her. I'll, I'll be there. That's right. You be there. Joanna, after appropriate valedictory gestures, leaves. Cyrano falls into Labre's arms. Me? She? She wants to see me. So it's goodbye to misery. Whatever she wants. It means that I at least exist for her. And now in a session of calm? Calm? With, with ten hearts beating within, each arm as, as muscular as, as twenty, my arteries thud with thunder, lightning jagging through my blood. I want an army. I can shriek defiance at. Take off your dwarves. Bring on your giants. He shouts so loudly that the actors are disturbed. They're on the stage, ready to start their rehearsal. The orchestra, flutes, trumpets, drums, is ready to play. Quiet down there. We're rehearsing. <laughs> We're, and we're off. Vigi and Brissai come in along with various officers who are carrying a dead drunk Linier. Cyrano! What the devil? Devil enough, this one here. Linier, how did he come to get in this? Looking for you. He daren't go home. Why not? That, yeah, this morning note, 100 men because of a song I wrote, going to get me when I go through the Port de Nizel on my way home. Let me stay in your house tonight. 100 men going to get me. 100 men. Tonight, you lay your head on your own pillow. But I... 
will turn down your bed myself. I swear it. Now, get off your knees and take that lantern. Senior obeys shakily. Cyrano addresses the officers. You, the witnesses of what I intend to do, come to. But please, keep safe distance. You mean, you're going to fight 100 men? Certainly. Tonight. Less than 100 would be far too few. <laughs> the actors and actresses have come down from the stage during the above scene. They go up to Cyrano in their various costumes. But why protect this? He indicates deplorable Liniere. I expected you, Captain, to raise objections. Drunken sot. This drunken sot. This claret butt. This uh, pot of Mountain Dew. Once did a thing as pretty as I ever saw. It happened here in the city. Mass had just ended. Uh, he saw a girl he loved dip in the holy water font. He shoved his whole head in and drank the blessed lot. A lovely thing to do. Yes, was it not? <laughs> Sot. He affectionately banged Linier. But a hundred men against one poor poet? Why? Let's march. When I make for the enemy, don't help, no matter what the danger. I must come and see. Oh, you're all heartily welcome. Come on! Why not? Come on and and make with mad and motley charm a blend of Italian farce and Spanish drama... Oh, bring silver music so that the noisy scene both thuds and jingles like a tambourine. Wonderful. Oh, I need a cloak. I need a hood. Gentlemen of the orchestra, will you? Good. The orchestra joins the procession. Candles are taken from the sconces and distributed, turning the procession into a torchlight one. Uh, Officers first... Ladies, next. Uh, but some 20 paces in the van as I, I come alone, save for this uh, uh, triple waving plume, this proud panache. Uh, nobody must presume to aid me in the fight, my fight, my war. <clears throat> One, two, three. Dorman, open up the door. The doorkeeper, with a sound effect of heavy grinding hinges, goes through the motions of opening up a door on the fourth wall. Moonlight floods in. Cyrano looks out on Paris, which is beyond the last row of the audience. Ah, Paris, swimming through nocturnal mist. The the rooftops draped in azure, shyly kissed by uncertain moon. Proscenium, all dressed and ready for the scene to come. Below, threading like a fog. A silver skein, or like a magic mirror, breathes in the same. Trembling, compact of myth and mystery. Oh, you're going to see now. You're going to see. To the Port de Nel. The Port de Nel. He goes back before marching off to speak to the subrette. <clears throat> uh, madam, there was a question. Why do five score enemies... Seek to stick five score daggers in the back of one poor poet? Answer. It is because they know this poor defenseless rhymer is a friend of Cyrano de Bergerac. He goes off. 
Linier zigzagging at the head, then the actresses on the officer's arms, then the capering actors. The proces procession marches out through the auditorium to the sounds of music and the flickering flame of the candles. Act two, Ragano's shop. It is early in the morning, dark to begin with, and much of the light comes from the great ovens of the bakery. Ragano is alone, wrestling with a poem at the table upstage. He counts the metrical feet on his fingers as he composes. Apollo flood the world with amber light. No, iambics are too heavy. Try tripping trochies. <clears throat> Phoebus flood the world with lucent amber. He shakes his head, the strap then scratches it with a pen. A cock crows afar, then another cock crow nearer. Apprentices take down the shutters. Pastry cooks come in and up from the cellar ledge. Cellarage through the trap door, bearing dishes which they place on tables or counters. A heavy gush of baking fills the theater. Fruit flan. Harina beef. Pork pate. Hearts. Smelling hot fat, my frigid muse departs. He says this while examining a tray of rolls, alternately crescent and straight, borne by a cook. He times the meter against the pattern of the rolls. <coughs> my ambics are too heavy. Try tripping trochies. This is just a matter of taking a crescent roll from one end and putting all pull, putting at the other. The cook is mystified. This morning hell of fire, fumes, and smoke is no state for the most heavenly of the arts. So, au revoir, my liar. But an apprentice brings in a huge liar-shaped confection. How do you like it? You thought of me. The strings here are a bit... Uh, fragile? Barely sugar. Last, a synthesis of poetry and pastry. Good. Drink this. He gives the apprentice money. His wife, Lees, comes in. Here comes your mistress. Hide the money. Quick. The apprentice scuttles off. Ragano addresses Lees with little confidence. Uh, how do you like it, dear, this uh, the thing? Ridiculous. Mulus. <laughs> Paper bags. Good. Good. God, woman, these are my books. These are my friends. Slim volumes, gorgeous poetry, desecrated, ripped. It's the Bacants back again. Oh, God, ripping up Orpheus. Gorging, penniless scribblers. It's right I should put their rotten doggerel to some use aunt how dare you insult these divine grasshoppers locusts you mean the rotten plague of locusts before you got in thick with these poet poppers you never called me rotten things like ants and pecans but to do that with those all it's fit for rotten hocus pocus makes me wonder what you do with prose two children enter he goes to serve them absently scratching his bottom uh, yes my pretties three pies pies it is hot and brown please will you wrap them please oh god my books, my poets' poems. Oh, what's this? Ulysses, 
Let me quit Penelope. No, not that. The God Apollo, blonde and bright. Not that one either. Don't keep the customers waiting. Heaven shines from your visage. Oh, all right. Sonnet to Phyllis, it has to be. Oh, it's nice you've made up your mind up. Give it back, and I'll let you have six pies instead of three. The children happily dash out. He sadly smooths out the poem. Oh, glorious Phyllis. What an inglorious shame. Oh, some cooking fat has smeared that lovely name. Cyrano enters forcefully. What time is it? Uh, six o'clock. Another hour. Congratulations, Monsieur de Bergerac. I saw it all. Saw what all? Such poetic power. Such a synthesis of steel and style. Such tricks and tropes. What's the time now? Uh, five past six. Cyrano Tiger paces. He mechanically gives his hand in greeting to Lee's. Rhyme and rapier. Wonderful. The poem ended and I hit. <gasps> Your hand. Where and when did you get that rotten thing? It's only a scratch. It's rotten. Patch it up. Get a bit of ointment. Oh, never mind. Uh, uh, listen, I have an appointment here uh, soon. Any minute now. Uh, 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 leave us alone, will you? But uh, I can't. My, my poets are, are due. That's right. For their first meal of the day. When I give you the signal, get them away. The time? Uh, t- ten past six. Can I trouble you for a pen? Uh, try this. The swan's feather. Morning. What's that? A uh, sort of friend of my wife's. <laughs> a sort of something. Uh, now to make one rhyme out of those jostling so long together. Uh, here unwritten, unspoken. What's the time? Quarter past six. Oh, God, ink for my life's blood. Uh, nib for love's dart. Letter in my heart's envelope. Rewritten a hundred times by the pen of fancy. All I have to do is write you again. <laughs> but now with this and this on... This writes the poets, having cast their skeletal shadows before the, before on the window, comes in filthy, ragged, mud stained. Here they come, the rotten lot. Dear patron of the arts, Confere! Père Martre, feed us. I mean, <laughs> Phoebus of the flaky flans. Lord of the heavenly roast. How goodly smells thy dwelling. Uh, sorry to be late. We got held up by the crowd at the Port de Nessel. Villainous looking corpses laid head to tail. Of villainous looking ruffians, I counted eight. Eight? I made it seven. You happen to know who the hero of this uh, hecatombe happens to be? Me? No. Mm. He split from the nave to the chaps, those eight or seven, and sent of ninety-three or two, screaming like cats. 
do uh, you know? Perhaps. Mm, uh, je vous aime. Blood, guts, brains, swords, pikes. Vos, uh, Hats and cloaks as far as the Croix d'Offre. He must have been the devil himself. Vos levre. Giant, a monster without one particle of... Fear makes me tremble when I look at you. Written any poems lately? Ragano? No signature. No. End as begin with love. Your friend who loves you. I'll just give it to her. As a matter of fact, I've done uh, uh, this <coughs> little thing, a, a recipe in verse. The poets, anticipating their just reward for listening, fall to hungrily. Mm. We're all ears. Sing, Apollo of the Poulet Roti. The third poet munches the lyre from one end while the fourth attacks it from the other. Flash, lyric, fire. For the first time in history, the lyre sustains mm. the poet. Mm. Having a good breakfast. Dinner of the night before last. <coughs> Gentlemen, I'll begin. A recipe for making almond tarts. <clears throat> Poised on steady legs, first your poet begs several eggs from them to a moose, then introduce lemon juice. Mm. Shimmering like silk, aromatic milk of almonds will come next and next. Prepare pastry light as air to coat with care each pretty pastry mold which sweetly will enfold the liquid gold smile a father fond wave your fiery wand bake till blonde melting mouths and hearts um saliva starts almond tarts Poets make comments of dutiful rapture. At the eccentric oh. rhyme in line nine, one hiccups, another makes a sour face on a sweet mouthful. Exquisite. Told <laughs> by your own lines. You don't see how they stuff and stuff and stuff? He takes in three good examples of stuffing. I don't look though I see it well enough. Looking might embarrass them, you know. Don't worry about me. I get a double treat. They listen, but more important, they eat. They need to eat. You please me, Ragano. Ragano talks with his friends. Cyrano follows him with friendly eyes, then addresses Lise brusquely. Madam? He leaves her musketeer and comes downstage to Cyrano. He laying siege, this musketeer? Nobody goes too far with me. All I have to do is shoot him down with my eyes. Oh, indeed. Those two conquerors of yours look strangely conquered to me. They're showing their white flags. Why? What a rotten thing to say. And to do so blatantly here. 
your generous hearted husband happens to be a friend of mine. And madam, I won't allow you to make a fool of him. If you think. I do. A word to the wise, as the saying goes, or if your Latin isn't too rusty, verbum sapienti, or just verb sap. He salutes the musketeer who is too cowardly to show resentment. He merely salutes back. Lee's angry returns to him. Do you take that lying down? Give him a slap on his on his rotten nose. The 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 inferring rotten nose region. Uh, yes, yes, yes. As you say, his here nose <laughs> his nose in this direction, and the musketeer hurries off. Lee's following him, lazing. Let's go inside. It will be uh, less distracting for the, for the muse, that is. Bogger the muse? Food first! Blasphemies. Now, if this wretch can catch the faintest whiff of hope, out it comes. He pats his breast where the letter is. Roxana comes in now with her duenna, whom Cyrano detains. Madam, uh, a word? Two words, if you like. <laughs> Are you a gourmand? Gourmand, what's that? Oh, gourmandines. I can do that till I'm sick. Good. So uh, I take a bag of heroic couplets eh? uh, and make the subject matter chocolate eclairs. <laughs> oh. uh, do you like cream puffs? As long as there's more cream than puff. Six in a puffy looking poem. And as for this epic on the love life of plants, uh, it seems to me enough for a whole jam roll. Now uh, go and commune with the dawn. Uh, Masticate thoroughly and uh, don't come back till you're finished. The duenna wonders if she is doing the right thing, but she licks some cream off her finger, likes it, shrugs and leaves eating. May this one hour, all the other hours, be blessed. When you, at least, cease to forget that I exist and uh, came to tell me, uh, tell me what? First, I must thank you for what you did last night. That wretch, that fop you punctured, his patron. De Guiche. Is eaten up with a disease he calls love for me. He proposed that I should marry that horror. A blasphemous disguise for his own, I see. So much the better then. I fought, not for my nose, but for your bright eyes. Thank God for that. That's one bad chapter closed. The other thing is... But before I dare mention it, I have to see you again in the... Well, it was almost brother you used to be, remember? when we were children together, playing in the garden by the lake. Can I ever forget the summers you used to spend at Bergerac? <laughs> when your swords were bulrushes? <laughs> the golden hair for your doll was corn silk. Green plums and perpetual playtime. <laughs> Puppies and mulberries. When my wish was always your command. Short-skirted Roxana. Used to be called Magdalene. <laughs> was I pretty? Well, 
You're not exactly plain. I remember you'd climb a tree and hurt your hand and come running to me and then I'd play the little mother all gruff and grown up. I'd say, how on earth did you manage to... Oh, Taking his how... hand and seeing it, she pauses horrified. How on earth? No, let me see it. Let me see it. Oh, still at your age. A bit of rather rough play with some of the big boys down at the Porta Nessel. She sits at a table and dips her handkerchief in a glass of water. Give it to me. Such a kind, such a gentle little... How many of these big boys were there? Oh, about a hundred. About a hundred? Tell me the whole story. No, you tell me your story. If it is a story. If you dare to tell it yet. I do dare. I breathe the scent of the past, and you and I are some again. So, listen. I'm in love with someone. Ah. Uh. Someone who doesn't know, doesn't suspect. Ah. Uh. At least not yet. Huh? But he will know. Soon. Uh-huh. And he loves me too. But so far, timidly, from a distance... Poor boy, too scared to speak. Ah. <laughs> uh. Give me back your hand. How hot it is. Feverish. But I've seen love trembling on his lip. Ah. Uh. He's a soldier, like you. She has finished bandaging his hand. More than that, more. He's in your regiment. Ah. Uh. More than that, even. He's in your company. Ah. Uh. And such a man, intelligent, noble, proud, young, brave, beautiful. Beautiful. Whatever's the matter? Nothing. Uh, just, just this. <laughs> a result of uh, playing with the big boys. <laughs> anyway, I love him. All that remains for me to say is that I've only seen him at the theater. Never met? Never spoken? Only with our eyes. Then how do you know? People talk in the Palace Royale under the lime trees. They talk and I hear. In the guards, you say? Uh, what's his name? Baron Christian de Neuviette. He's not in the guards. Oh, yes, as from this morning, under Captain Lebray. Oh, so soon, so quickly the knife can pierce our hearts. Uh, <clears throat> my poor, dear child. Monsieur de Bergerac, I've eaten every single one of those tarts. Good, now read the wrappers, front and back. She goes out again, shrugging. Uh, my dear, sweet. Child, you who, who love only fine words, fine wit, elegance, eloquence. Why, for all you know, he may be a half-wit or a savage. Oh, but his curls are the curls of a classical hero. Curly cues of his brain may be curly, too. Oh, no. I have an intuition about these things. Intuition has been known to lie. Suppose he's a boar and a boar. 
Oh, well then, I suppose I shall just have to die. And so you brought me here to tell me this? Uh, perhaps you'd be good enough to tell me why. Yesterday, somebody said, God, it frightens me. Somebody said that all your company are Gascon. Yes, all Gascon. Oh, I see. It's a matter, a matter of our fiery Gascon pride to rip up any greenhorn from outside who gets inside. Is that what you heard? I'm scared for Christian. Well, not without cause. But you, who, who dared so much last night, that brute, those brutes, everyone's scared of you. I, I thought you might. Your Christian will not be thrown to the lions. You'll protect him. Defend him, then, for our friendship's sake. There's nothing greater than friendship. Promise to be his friend. I promise. And never let him fight a duel? God forbid. Oh, I love you. But I must go now. You'll tell me about last night, won't you, sometime? The whole story? And tell him to write me. He kisses her hands and puts it to his cheek. I love you. Yes. Uh, so you said. Just think. A hundred men against my boy of the bulrush sword. <laughs> oh, when you have time, you must tell me. Yes. Yes. Tell him to write now. We're friends, aren't we? Great friends. Oh, yes. Yes. Incredible. Yes. Incredible. A hundred men. You must tell me sometime. Uh, to write, remember. Don't forget. A hundred. Such courage. Such incredible valor. Oh, believe me, I've, I've done better than that since then. She blows a kiss and leaves. Cyrano stands unmoving, his eyes looking forward. Silence. The door opens. Ragano thrusts in his head. Can we come in? Yes. Yes, you love me. What? He comes to as they all come in. Ragano, the poets, Lebray in his captain's uniform, the Gascon cadets, people from the streets. Ah, there you are. I'm afraid they've all found out. They want to congratulate you. Congratulate? Oh, no. Bravo! The Gascon cadets throng about him going bravo and saying, Mule Dieu! Captain did the uh, are are you all Gascons, gentlemen? All Gascons. Uh uh Baron. 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 <clears throat> Baron. Baron. And all barons, too? You could build a tower, Monsieur, with all with our coronets. But first you'd have to get them out of pawn. <laughs> The whole of Paris is here. You're a hero. Oh, but not in the way you think. How about Roxana? Be quiet, Captain. My shop is invaded. They'll smash everything up. Magnificent. So long to- Cyrano saying, Mon ami, to him. 
a long time since I had so many friends. Success at last. My dear, my dear. Oh, far too dear for such customers as you to handle. Sir, some ladies in my carriage would like to meet you. Allow me to, pre- to present you to them. Uh, certainly. But first, sir, who will present you to me? I'd like an interview for the Gazette. No interviews. But I am Tefestrat Renadol. Congratulations. I don't take snubs lightly, sir, and I never forget. Pachyderm. He goes off in a huff. And he can make a break a reputation. Asta! Up to the minute, news is his line. There's a big future in it, or so they tell me. Excuse me. I propose, monsieur, with your permission to compose an acrostic on your name. Uh, I'll do it better. I'll do it now. Uh, you can call out each letter and I'll do the rest. Uh, go on. Begin. See. These vassals of emotion. Why? Do you suppose they're there? Are. They come to bring devotion? A. Or see a stalking bear? And. Any monster, sirs, will do. But. Oh. The real monsters, you. He sweeps his hand around the assembly. De Guiche comes in, escorted by Quiji Brissai and the other officers who witnessed Cyrano's exploit. Quiji rushes in ahead to speak to Cyrano. Monsieur de Guiche with a message from Marshal de Gachon. Who wishes to express his admiration through me of your exploit at the Port de Nel. One of many such, I gather. Glorious. Notorious. I'm told it's not easy to tell. I bring you my one need of felicitation. You're one of these wild Gaskins? That is so. Uh, One of the guards, your lordship. One of us. Ah, these hairy, head-high gentlemen. These are the famous... Present them, Cyrano. Let them present themselves. Are you ready? Go. On his signal, the drummer starts up a rhythmical accompaniment to the following. The cadets take phrases in turn, thus roughly characterizing themselves. We are the Gascony cadets. Captain Lebret, there is our chief. Braggers, players of bets. We are the Gascony cadets. <laughs> Barons who scorn my baronets. Our lines are long and tempers brief. We are the Gascony cadets. Captain Lebret, there is our chief. We're lithe as cats or marmosets. <laughs> but never cherish the belief. We can be stroked like household pets. Or better on what the lapdog gets, our hats are buffed with aircarets. Because the fabrics come to grief, we are the Gascony cadets. We scorn the scented handkerchief, we dance no jigs or minuets. 
Hot, are, we, are, we cook our enemies in brochettes. Hot blood is our aperitif. We are the, are Ga- the Gascony cadets. <laughs> Compact of brain and blood and beef, contracting pregnancies and debts with equal lacks of black regrets. Cuckolds, cuckoo, and cry. Stop teeth. Too, Too late, late. Await, the, await the bassinets. Captain Lebret, there is our chief of us. Us, the Gascony cadets. Huh. Your poet fighter seems to have left the company to fight out a new poem. Please be so good as to leave your words and have a word with me. Uh... It's coming into the fashion to have a poet in a gentleman's retinue. How would you like to join mine? Sorry, I don't join retinues. Your duel of last night rather amused my uncle, Cardinal Richelieu. I could, I think, do you a little good there. Yeah. Exactly. I suppose, like everyone, you've written a play in verse. What tragedy. Here's your chance to get a thing put on. Take it to him. Um. He's the expert in the drama himself. All you have to do is let him rewrite the odd line here, the odd line there. I might, if the thought of anyone's changing a single comma didn't make my blood curdle. But when he likes a thing, he plays munificently. Not so much as I pay myself when I've Written lines that truly sing through my brain and bones and blood. Their their golden ring is my best payment. You're proud. Devilishly proud. You've noticed, have you? A cadet enters with a drawn sword on whose length are transfixed hats hats cut and torn, their plumes sorry and bedraggled. Cyrano! I say, Cyrano, look what we found on the street this this morning. Feathers from the fowl you put to flight. Nicely mounted, very neat, ready for the trophy room. He'll be not too pleased with himself today, the scoundrel who hired the hirelings who who were underneath. Does anyone know who it was? Why, yes, I do. I was the scoundrel. I don't use my own teeth for biting drunken poets. I leave it up to hirelings to chew them up. Rather indentalist hirings. Cyrano, what would you like us to do with these? Pickle them, boil them, bake them before they go bad? Cyrano takes the sword, letting the trophy slide off at the feet of de Guiche. Monsieur might like to take them and return them to his friends. I want my chair. My porters now. As for you, monsieur. The chair and porters of Monseigneur, Le Cop de Guiche. Monsieur, have you read Don Quixote? Read it? Why, I've practically lived it. Read it again, my friend, and ponder on. The chair is here. The windmill chapter. Thirteen? 
If you fight with windmills... Uh, I see what you mean. My enemies are the men who change with the wind. If you fight with windmills, they'll swing their heavy spars and you'll spin down to the mud. Or up to the stars. The Guiche pauses, finds nothing to say, and walks out. All the notables go with him, Quiji and Brisaya bashed, and the crowd follows, not too happy now about calling Cyrano Mon Ami. The cadets settle at tables and are served with food and drink. Cyrano salutes with exaggerated courtesy those who dare not take their leave of him. Messieurs? 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 But you've done it again. Done it again? Stop growling. No, to be quite accurate, when a man has achieved an unprecedented ecstasy of excess, you can't say he's done it again. I did it on principle. Excess, you see, is not excessive when it's been conceived on principle. My success is achieved only by excess. Oh, if only you'd stop trying to be the three musketeers and Don Christ Quixote rolled up into one, you'd make your way, wind up to the top. Up to the top? What do you have me do? Seek out a powerful protector? Pursue a potent patron? Cling like a leeching vine to a tree? Crawl my way up? Fine. Wine for all the sticky candy called success. No thank you. Be a sycophant and dress in sickly rhymes, a a prayer to a moneylender? Play the buffoon desperate to engender a smirk on a refrigerated jowl? No thank you. Slake my morning mouth with foul lees and leavings, breakfast off a toad, wriggle and grovel on a dirty road to advancement, and wear the skin of my belly through? Get grimy calluses on my kneecaps? Do a daily dozen to soften up my spine? No, thank you. Soften the bristles of some swine with one hand, feel his uh, silk purse with the other. Burn up the precious incense of my mother wit to perform some bad bastard's beard. No, thank you. When all pride has disappeared, sail stagnant waters with madrigals for oars, the canvas filled with the breath of ancient whores or unfructified duennas. Be the Pope of some small literary circle and soft soap editors and reviewers? Shall I look for a lifetime's reputation from one book and then give up the agonizing art as far too wearing? No thanks. Shall I start finding true genius only in imbeciles or trendy oafs? Shall I let out shall squeals at being neglected by the columnists? Live in a fog of fear or grope through the mists of scheming calculation? No thanks. It is best, I should think it best, to make a visit rather than a poem. Relish the savor of stuffy salons. Seek condescension, favor, influence, introduction. No, no, no thank you. No. But to go free of the filthy world to sing, to be blessed with a voice, vibrating virility, blessed with an eye equipped for looking at things as they really are, cocking my hat where I please at a a work, at a yes or no, fighting or writing. This is the true life. So I go along any road under my moon, careless of glory, indifferent 
to the boon or bane of fortune, without hope, without fear, writing only the words down that I hear here, and saying with a sort of modesty, my heart be satisfied with what you see and smell and taste in your own garden, weeds as much as fruits and flowers. If fate succeeds in wresting some small triumphs for me, well, I render nothing unto Caesar, sell no moiety of my merit to the world. I loathe the parasite liana curled about the oak trunk. I myself am a tree, not high, perhaps, not beautiful, but free. My flesh deciduous, but the enduring bone of spirit, tough, indifferent, and alone. Alone? Yes. Tough? Yes. But indifferent? No. An indifferent man, God knows, doesn't go around as you do, making enemies. And you make friends. With all due deference, is that a gift, not rather than a canine one? You grin at your big pack of friends, your lips tucked up like a hen's arse. You love new friends. I'm glad to make new enemies. Oh, this is... Mad? Call it my little foible. To displease is my chief pleasure. I love hatred. He's my best friend, who's my best enemy. Oh, you have no idea how bracing it is to go marching upright against a volley of venom in the sights of the eyes of angry men among the spit of bile and froth of fear cooled as by rain by those gentle drops. My dear captain and friend, you're different. Who could hate your guts? You're soft and and warm and bland good nature of those Italian cowls, comfortable, loose, designed for softening the chin. And now I've no use for anything but an iron collar full of spikes made ever spikier by new dislikes. It makes me hold my chin up, walk erect, a Spanish fetter blessed with the effect of a French halo. Yes. Be bitter and proud before your foes or the anonymous crowd, but say quite simply to me that she doesn't. Not so loud. During the above exchange, Christian has made his appearance. He tries to mingle with the Gaskins, but they ignore him. At last, he sits alone at a table where Lee serves him wine. Cyrano, tell us about it. Presently. The story of his combat ought to be a good initial example for this one here, this new pupped, unwiped whelp, this soft-boiled egg that's trickled down from northern France. I beg your pardon? The cadet pardon? gathering around his table. Pardon? A word in your ear, Monsieur de Neuvillette. There's a subject we're too discreet to talk about, for it would be like talking about rope in a house where a man has recently hanged himself. What subject? See. You mean Cyrano's? You violate an unwritten ban merely by using the word. Most dangerous. Left a man asunder once because he had a cleft palate and spoke through his... Just mention anything 
cartilaginous and if you want your life's chronicle to be brief you need do no more than take out your handkerchief Silence. In a circle surrounding Christian, the cadets cross their arms and regard him gravely. Christian gets up and walks towards Lebray. Captain? Monsieur? He comes towards Christian, thus leaving Cyrano alone upstage. What ought a man to do when Gascons boast too much? He ought to show that Northerners have their share of bombast, too. Thank you, Captain. That's all I wish to know. On the story. Story! Tell us the tale of everything that occurred at the Portonezzo. Oh, all right. My version. They all draw up stools and sit around him. Christian sits astride a chair like a horseman in arms leaning on the chair back. There, then, was the enemy. Here, then, was I, marching toward them like a great clock in the sky the moon pulsed out at me but suddenly i saw pass a cottonwool cloud across it like an angel cleaning its glass and night fell equally black on myself and my lurking foes so black that man couldn't even see uh couldn't see even as far as his nose Silence. Every man slowly rises to his feet, looking with horror at Cyrano. Cyrano stops, quite astonished. There is a pause. Who is that man there? A man who only came this morning. This morning? This morning. His name is Christian de Nuvi. Cyrano is suddenly still. He turns pale, flushes, makes as to hurl himself on Christian, then controls himself and continues his story. Oh. I see. Where was I? God knows. A cloud came over the sky, so black, a man couldn't even see as far as his toes. And I marched along, reflecting that, to save that base, drunken poet, I might be spitting in the face of some great man, a prince, well able to have at me, right in the... Everyone rises. Christian stays where he is. Heath! But still, imprudently, I marched. Why, though, should I stick my... Finger... In that pie, why was Gascon impetuosity a match for Parisian cunning? Could I, a Gascon, ever live down the ignominious running of my oh legs that I said to myself, on, on, son of Gascony, be brave, do what has to be done, march, Cyrano, march. Then out of the porridge thick darkness came the first thrust and caught me a flick on the conk. I parried and found myself nose to nose with a hundred garlicky ruffians from whom such a stink arose that your nose took a fright. With my head lowered like a bull, I charged belly. (laughs) Belly of St. Thomas Aquinas! 
few leaps at Christian. This cadets fall over each other to get a good view. In time, Cyrano masters himself. Then I released the full flood of my boiling wrath. Screams of pain and grief rang out. And a sword came. Pah! And I responded. Tonne out, 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 everybody out. At last the sleeping tiger wakes again. Everybody out. Leave me alone with this man. He'll make sausages out of him. Sausages. By hand. I feel myself turning into a napkin. Everybody out. The things that are going to happen here. Don't bear thinking about. The imagination positively boggles. So saying, they all confusedly tumble out. Cyrano and Christian stand face to face looking at each other. Come to my arms. Monsieur. You have courage. I like courage. I don't think I quite... I'm her brother. Whose brother? Hers. I think I quite... Hers. 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 Oh oh my god, her brother? I think we're enough. Uh, What they call a fraternal cousin. And she's... she's and, And she's... Told me everything? Yes. Oh, she loves. She loves. She, she loves me. Perhaps. I am overjoyed to make your acquaintance. This is what they call a change of heart. Oh, forgive me, forgive me, please, forgive me. Uh, you are a handsome devil, no doubt about it. You knew, sir, how much I admire you. How about all those noses? Take them all back, every single one. Roxana expects a letter from you. Tonight. No. What? Well, if I write, I ruin everything. How? Because I'm such a damned fool. Damned fools don't call themselves damned fools. The way you tackled me was not damned foolish. I can find the words when mounting an attack. Call it military wit, I don't... But I don't know how to mount... Assault uh, a woman. Uh, things to say. I mean, you know, when there's a woman, uh, I become uh, paralytic, tongue-tied, speechless, dumb. That's explicit enough. I only have the words. Oh. I have the words. If only I had the looks. Besides, she's so exquisite, sensitive. False word, and I blow any illusion she may have sky high. Only I had somebody like you as the interpreter, if I may put it that way, of my dumb music. Only I had your wit, your eloquence. Well, why not borrow it? And in return, I'll borrow your good looks. It's promising algebra here. You plus I equals one hero of the storybooks. I think I quite 
so you, so I don't see why I shouldn't give you words to woo her with. You give me call it a sort of lie if you like, uh, but a lie is a sort of myth, and a, a myth is a sort of truth. No reason why Roxana should be disillusioned. Let's start a fruitful collaboration. You frightened me. What scares you is the thought of the time when she and you are alone and you cool down her heart with breath unwarmed with words. Well, have no fear. My words will be with you, glued to your lips. What do you say? I said what I said at first. I don't quite... Understand. Unsure about my motive? Simple. It's pure art. The finest lines of the dramatist are dead without an actor's mediation. One whole is made from our two halves. Your lips, my soul. I think I see. To you, it's not much better than a refined amusement. <laughs> Still, I'm grateful. God, we have to start at once. The letter. You mean the letter. Here it is, complete, except for the address. I don't quite... Uh... It will serve. Uh, exercise in poetic wit. Uh, poets who have no mistress but their muse uh, often do this. Uh, I could serve you up a plateful anytime. What you must do is use to a solid end these airy nothings. Here, the more eloquent for being insincere. Provide a dovecote for these aimless doves. Will these words fit her? Like a pair of gloves. But... She's a woman. It follows that she loves herself so well, she's ready to believe that this is for her alone. Began with Eve that delusion of uniqueness. My dear, dear. Oh. He throws himself into Cyrano's arms. They stand embraced. The door opens a little and the first cadet steals in. Friend. A daren't look. The silence. It's a graveyard silence. He sees the two. What in the name? All the cadets, of, followed by Lee's and the musketeer, come in behind him and look astonished. Of. Of. God. Impossible. Ah! Our devil changed into a Christian brother. Attack one nostril and he turns the other. So, at last, we can talk about his nose. Please, come here, watch this. What a smell! Wine, some rare vintage. You with that sort of carrot, or shall we call it uninverted parrots? Uh, appendage, you seem so equipped to sniff it well. What is it, do you think? Cyrano cracks him on the nose, knocking him clean over. Oh, fresh-tapped claret. 
general delight. The old Cyrano has returned. They all go off, but Christian runs after, having forgotten something, calling to Cyrano. Her address! You didn't give me her address! Act three, outside Roxana's house. The house is in a little square in the old marais. There is a garden wall with ivy and jasmine. Over the door of the house is a balcony, also a tall window opening to the evening air. It is easy enough to climb in this balcony by means of the jagged stonework of the wall and a bench that is set to the side of the door, on which bench, at the opening of the scene, Roxana's duenna seats herself. There's another house near Roxana's with a front door whose knocker is swathed with to cut down noise. The preludial music is a snatch of songs sung by Cyrano to the somewhat maimed accompaniment of two pages. He walks in with these, finishing the song. I praise the lilies of your skin, but only from afar. Oh, how I long to venture in to where your roses are. And sipping, sipping as the bee mouth sips, adore, adore them with my lips. Be, be natural, not be flat. Oh, you flat-headed naturals. Where did you buy those infant prodigies? I borrowed them to try out a song I made. The discords were their own idea. Is that you, Cyrano? I'll be down. Now then, you two. Uh, you know where the house of Monsieur Montfleury is? The fat actor? I want you to go and play, uh, say that I sent you. A very sour serenade. Ah, I've come as usual, madam, to see uh, how our friend's getting on. Play piercingly. Play dissonantly. Play for a long time. <clears throat> our flawless friend, madam, with the sublime spiritual equipment. My Christian, he is beautiful and brilliant, and Lord above, I love him desperately. Brilliant, did you say? More brilliant even than you. <laughs> Who am I to contradict the lady? Every day he brings new gifts of verbal jewelry for my adornment. I have never known anyone who could say those little things so beautifully that are nothing and yet everything. It's true that sometimes his muse expires into a sigh, suddenly, inexplicably. But then she revives, and he says, oh, he says such things. Really? You think, as most men think, that it's impossible for a man to be both bright and beautiful. Talks well, does he, about love and so forth? Oh, no. Talk is so inadequate. It's art. It's eloquence. Listen, the more you take my heart, the more heart I have left, dear heart, for loving you the more. Oh, God. This ache of emptiness, however, bids me yearn to seek your heart to fill it in return. First too much and then too little. He'd rhapsodize better if he'd try to learn to make up his mind. How much heart does he need? Now you're teasing me. Jealousy, that's what it is. Jealousy? 
you're jealous of that talent of his. For the last word in tenderness, listen to this. Ah, in your presence, such confusion grips my heart that it grows as wordless as a kiss. If kisses could but wing in winged words, then you could read my letter with your lips. Not bad. Not bad. Bit overwritten, though. But listen to this. You know them off by heart. All of them. Very flattering. He's so golden-mouthed, such a master of his art. I don't know. It's a sort of verbal mist, a rhetorical fog. A master. If you insist. Madam, Monsieur de Guiche is here. Quick, you into the house. You, Monsieur de Bergerac. If he sees you here, he might put two and two together. His nose is sharp, sharp as the axe he'd hack me down with if he only knew. Right, right, right. De Guiche enters. Ah, Monsieur de Guiche, I was just leaving. I am leaving too. I came to say goodbye. Leaving? In an hour or two, to fight the Spaniards. We've orders to besiege the town of Arras. Arras? Arras. Does my leaving leave you as cold as it seems to do? Oh, no. For my part, to speak truly, I find that this present prospect of leaving you leaves me quite desolate. Hmm. Oh, by the way, did you know I'd been promoted to colonel? Oh, bravo. Yes. Colonel of the guards. The guards? The guards. The regiment of that man who's big words and big in the other thing. Your cousin? Down there, I may get some of my own back. You say the guards are ordered to Arras? Under my command. Oh, no. What is it? The flower in one's hand is so suddenly depetaled. The wind of war disperses all its perfume. One loves someone, and then... You've never spoken like this before. You say these things Um... now, for the first time when I have to leave? You said uh, just then something about um, having your own back on my cousin? Are you for him? Very much against. Do you see much of him? (laughs) As little as I possibly can. I see rather too much of the beastly, of de beastly Bergerac. (laughs) Recently, I notice, he's commenced keeping company with this new man. Neuve or Neuville or Neuvier or something. Tall. Fair. Handsome. A fool. I don't know him at all. But but to return to my cousin, tell me what you propose for Cyrano. Will you send him into the thick of the fighting? He'll love that. I know what I would do. What? Leave him here with his precious cadets kicking his heels. That ought to make him sick. While the rest of the regiment, foes, while the rest of the regiment goes to the war and gets medals and wounds and things, oh, I know him. If you want to strike at him, strike at his self-esteem. Oh, woman. Woman. Only a woman could dream up a scheme like that. (laughs) The cadets will chew their nails, but Cyrano will eat out his heart, and you'll have your revenge. You love me, then? 
a little. When you make my enemies your enemies, I'd like to see that as a sign of love. It could be a sign, a start. These are orders for the company. Signed and sealed, but not yet delivered. This is for one of the guards. I'll keep it. Cyrano, so much for you, you battle-truffling swine. <laughs> and so you too, Roxana. You like to play your little games? Sometimes. Sometimes I say to myself that you and I are two of a kind. But always I'm mad about you. Now... To find love trembling within you when I have to go, it's intolerable. Listen, half a mile or so from here, in the, uh, in the Rue d'Orléans, the Order of Capuchin has set up its center of brotherly love under Father Athanasius. According to their rule, no layman can enter. But who can bar the nephew of Richelieu? Their sleeves are wide, wide enough to hide me. The regiment leaves for the siege tonight, and everyone will think that I've gone with them. But just one more day will make no difference. Later on tonight, I'll come to you, masked. I apologize for mentioning the word, but honor. Eyes, spies will be watching. If anyone should find out... Who? The siege, your duty, the, the good of your family name. A lot of nonsense. I have a more urgent duty, a greater good, to contrive the voluntary surrender of... Say it. Say it now. No. Say it. Whisper it. My duty is to make you do yours. Bless you for but... that. But... Oh, you must go. Go. I I must make myself make you go. I, I must order you to be my hero. Oh, you can love. Can truly love. When I tremble for a man's safety, I suppose you can call it love. And yet you say I must go? In the name of love, you must go, my friend. My dear, dear friend. Igish attempts to embrace her, but is forced to compromise by kissing her hand. Very well. I go. This adieu singles, signals not an end, but a beginning. I go happy. He leaves in quiet triumph. Behind his back, Roxana's duenna makes him a mock curtsy. Speaking, she imitates Roxana's tone. My friends, my dear, dear, dear friends... Say nothing about what I did just then. If Cyrano finds out I stole his war from him, he'll... Yes. Yes. Cyrano, I must keep appearances up. I must still go to this lecture on the tender passion. Very well, but you've got your own tender passion to attend to. If Christian comes to see me, tell him to wait. She starts to go, but Cyrano calls her back. Wait! Uh, surely there's something more I have to tell. You you usually order him to d dissertate on a subject picked in advance. A subject? Yes, a subject. Uh, think of a subject. There's no end to subjects. Promise not to tell him. Dumb. 
That's what I am. Nothing. No, everything. Whatever singing fantasies shall come unbidden to his brain. On the subject of love, of course. Naturally, of love. I'll tell him to overwhelm me with excess, to rhapsodize, be brilliant. Good. <laughs> but, shh. Shh, as you say. Not a word. Thanks very much. He must do it unprepared. Naturally. Shh. <laughs> Christian! Come, have the lines thrown to you. I have your theme. All you have to do, you very lucky, 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 is to get your memory ready. This is your best chance yet to cover yourself in genius. So let's go to your house quickly. We don't have much time. Come on now, try to look intelligent. No. No harm in trying to look intelligent. Oh, you mean? That's right, my friend. I mean that I'm going to stay here. I'm going to wait for her. Oh, this is mad. This is the most head-reeling, vertiginous lunacy. Come now. Come now, sir. Come and learn your lines. No. I'm feeling rebellious tonight. I'm tired. Yes, tired of borrowing your lines, your letters, being a mere actor, dithering with stage fright. It was fine at first. It was like playing a sort of game. But now, at last, tonight, I'm past all fear. Tonight, I feel inspired with my own inspiration. I no longer doubt that she loves me. My own words must crash out. Limp out. Trickle out. Come on. I'm not entirely an analphabetic sot, as you'll see. Thanks to you, I've learned a lot. Oh, I see. Even though I still can't make the verbal summits, I know enough to take, by God, a woman in my arms. A crowd of exquisite impressions come out of the neighboring house and passes across the stage. Christian, head high, nods at them in triumph and something like contempt. Then he sees Roxana at the tail of the group coming home with her duenna. Bravo. Oh, Turchi. Don't leave me, Cyrano. <sighs> now you're on your own, monsieur. Good night. I told you we'd miss it, that lecture. I was quite looking forward to it. Well, never mind. She goes into the house. Roxana, ready to go with her, sees Christian. Christian! Oh, Christian, you came. I felt somehow you might be here, waiting. No matter then that I missed that discourse by an amorous theorist on, or theoretical amorist. <laughs> now I have the best of all of them. Come, shall we sit? They sit on the bench. There's a silence. I love you. Yes, Christian, speak to me of love. I love you. You have your theme. Embroider it. Weave gorgeous tapestries. I love. Rhapsodize. I love you so much. So much. Good. And then? And... 
then I I would I would be happy if you loved me too. Say that you love me too. You pant. You stutter like the other men whose eloquence is only in their eyes. An idiot. Bestial pleading. Please don't give me milk and water when I ask for cream. Tell me how you love me. True as I live, I love you dearly. Come now, warm to your theme. Sound the true passionate platonic note. Your throat. Oh, heavens, I want to kiss your throat. Really? I love you. Back where we started. No, 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 I I don't love you. Better. I adore you. Oh, this is too much. Forgive me, Roxana. I'm so in love, I'm growing stupid. I agree. And that displaces me as much as though you were growing ugly. But listen. Retrieve your scattered eloquence. Otherwise, leave. But I love you passionately. Sincerely. You love me. Good night. Wait. Listen, what I want to say is... That you adore me. Good. Now go away. Can love only be sincere when it's insincere? When it's dressed up in fine words, coldly chosen by some scheming, clever head that's become frozen to the beating of a warm heart? Listen, my dear, my love is beyond words. Only what one word, love, is left. All I can say is I love you. I love you. I love you. And how many times in my life do you think I have heard that hot avowal, as articulate as a tomcat howling for a temporary mate? All of these fine Paris aristocrats possess no tongue but that of courting cats. They think their money, finery, and rank so irresistible that a girl should thank them for their leer and lecherous intent, that what they call love is a compliment, when all it means is... You know what it means. I know it all, young as I am. The scenes with marquises and viscounts breathing wine and urgency and hoarseness. Oh, be mine. I need you so. I want you. And now you, my golden Grecian hero. Oh, you too despise the soul's language. All you can say. All I can say is I, I love you. Oh, go away. She goes into the house and shuts the door in his face. Cyrano, who has entered unseen, catches the last of this exchange. <clears throat> A great success. Congratulations. For God's sakes, help me. No. I shall die here and now. If here and now I find no way to make her love me. Good God, man. In God's name, how do you expect me, here and now, to... Wait, look, see? Her window. I shall die! Oh, not so much noise. Die. Not much moon in the sky. Yes? Yes, will you? Oh, you idiot. To reinstate you may not be easy. 
still, we have to try. Uh, stand there in front of the balcony uh, while I stand underneath and whisper the right words. You can deliver them to her. But be quiet. His pages reappear, whistling for Cyrano's attention. Ah, welcome back, my unmelodious birds. Uh, you've serenaded, Montfleury. Good. Now, uh, you go to that corner of the street, uh, and you that one. Uh, listen for approaching feet. If anyone comes by, play a tune. Uh, wait, uh, a sad one for a man. Uh, don't demonstrate. Uh, and for a woman, uh, something brisk and sweet. All right, all right. Be off with you. They leave separately. No. How do we start? Call her. Roxana! A pebble or two? He throws some pebbles at the window, then gets under the balcony. Roxana comes out. Was somebody calling? Me. I. Who? Christian. So? I have to talk to you. You've nothing to say to me. Oh, please, please. It's clear that you love me no longer. Such heresies, such unjust slanders. Oh, you divinities whose name is justice. Witness that I love more than mere words can bear the burden of. Better. Love that I thought a quiet child discloses moods so intemperate and wild he crushes my cradling heart. Hmm. Better still. But is it not best to break that unruly will and strangle such a monster? God, I've tried to commit that venial infanticide, but the tough atomy I sought to seize and crush turned out an infant Hercules. <laughs> good. Very good. His first act was to ride and rend to hissing serpents doubt and pride excellent but since you mention doubt why do your words come so haltingly out it's as though your fancy suffered from well gout <laughs> While Roxana tinkles a little laughter at this felicity, Cyrano pushes Christian under the balcony and takes his place. Quick, this is becoming too difficult. Tonight you hesitate so strangely. Why? <clears throat> a, a good question. My, my answer is each word gropes through this darkness looking for your light. If that were really so, my own words would limp just like yours. Come, try a less absurd explanation. Uh, very well. Uh, 
my heart is open so wide, your words can't miss. Uh, so large a target, or heavy with the honey of desire, it zigzags to the orifice of your tiny ear and, and buzzes, blunderingly seeking its way in, its, its wings of a haze of love, or, or should these, these not suffice, then finally, since your words fall, they, they yield to gravity. Mine rise and have to fight it. It seems to me they fight less hard now than they had to do a moment ago. Ah, but a moment or two of loosening up in the gymnasium works wonders. Am I so far above you still? So far, I fear that one hard word could kill my crushing, kill crushing my heart like a stone. Oh, then I'll come down to you. No! At least come nearer. Stand on that bench there. Uh, no. Such a vehement no. What is the matter? To hold in my hand such exquisite joy. I daren't let go this precious chance to speak to you. Unseen. Unseen? A disembodied voice, a disembodied spirit, clean of the clogs of accident and decay. You see a cloak of trailing blackness. You, to me, are a white gown of summer. I'm a shadow, and you, the quintessence of light. How can you know what it means to roam this transitory meadow, sunlit through the darkness? Uh, if ever, oh, if ever I was eloquent. You were very eloquent. You have never heard till now my true heart, truly speaking. Why not? There was a certain obliquity, a sort of haze caused by this vertigo, this drunkenness that afflicts all those who tremble in your presence. But this one night, it seems that I address your heart for the first time. The first time, yes. Your very voice has changed. My heart's true essence is emboldened by this darkness to speak out. It is myself that speaks. Uh, where was I? Uh, forgive this confusion, which is to me a, a heap of rose petals, a, a fantasy of sleep so new, so delicious. New? To live a moment breathing your sustaining air, freed from the choking asthma of fear that you might laugh at me. Laugh at you? Why? Because the unworthiness of a fool and insufficiency that seeks to clothe itself in purple words... How often I come to pluck Hesperus out of the sky and end by plucking flowers because I loathe a presumption that might spark your ridicule. There's good in flowers. There's sweetness. Yes. Yes, but, but not enough sweetness in all flowers of the earth for us tonight. You have never spoken like this. Never before. Shatter them all. These tokens, valentine hearts, arrows, the, the tinseled quiver, stale words, stale honey, sipped in finicking drops from little gilded cups. What are they worth compared to the wild urge that shouts and beckons our bodies to plunge and drown in the wild river? But the soul, the, the spirit. You mean the pretty rhymes wrung from what pretty spirits term the soul? I've made enough of those for you at times when I did not dare to bear myself. 
as now to the overwhelming torrent of the night with its panic perfumes. Oh my God, must we insult nature by burbling nugacities for those gold nuggets? Myriad on myriad inflame the heavens. Our little alchemy distilled civilized exquisitries might not in its crass self-regard volatize true feeling to the wind and dripping wordlets miss the one true word oh but the poetry you can't say that of poetry poetry is words a game of words and love's too stark a force to tolerate such tinkling such tinkerings a moment comes and god help those for whom it never comes when love of such nobility possesses this shaking frame that even the sweetest word, the ultimate honey, stings like vinegar, strikes a blow, punctures like thorns. If so, what, when the moment comes for both of us, what words will you say? That most precious instant, I shall take all words that ever were, or warts, or could or couldn't be, and... In mad armfuls, not bouquets, I'll smother you in them. Oh God, how I love you. I choke with love. I stumble in madness. Tread a fiery region where reason consumed. I love you beyond the limits that love sets herself. I love, love your name, Roxana. Roxana swings like a brazen bell, telling itself, Roxana, Roxana, my own heart's belfry, and I tremble. Roxana, Roxana, with each bronze, gold, silver reverberation. Listen, I swing down the rope to Earth's level, and each small thing, trivial, forgettable, unforgotten by me, that ever you did or do. A year ago, uh, the 12th of May it was, at noon striking, you left your house with your hair just done a different way, the former way not being to your liking. And you know how when, you're, when you've been looking at the sun, you see red suns everywhere, embossed on everything, so that the solar flood of your hair blinded me and bequeathed an afterimage of heavenly blindness touching everything with a royal touch. Yes, this is love. <laughs> love, love, the parasite heavenly host, a terribly jealous God has seized me with most wretched fury. And yet he seeks not to possess. He is only mad to give. So my happiness is there to augment yours, even though you forget or never know the source of its flow. I ask no more than to listen twice or thrice to the laughter born out of the sacrifice of mine. Each glance of your eyes begets some new virtue in me, some courage. Oh, can, can you see this? Feel it? Understand? Do you sense my heart rising towards you in this intense stillness? Perfumed velvet laps us, a perfume velvet laps us close. Mm. This night, I speak, you listen.
Never in my most reckless, unreasonable dream have I hoped for this. Now I can gladly die, knowing it is my words that make you tremble in the blue shadows of the trees. For it is true, you do tremble like a leaf among the leaves. Yes, and the passion of that trembling weaves a spider filament that seeks me now, feeling its way along the jasmine bough. Yes, I do tremble and I weep and I love you. You have made me love you. Oh, to die. Death is all I need now after this. Summit gained. I ask one thing. Kiss! What? Oh, God. You asked for something. Yes, I... Um... Fool! Well, if you put her in this state, why shouldn't I get some benefit? Yes, it's true. I did ask. But I was too impetuous. I was hurled into it. You ask no more than that? No more? No, uh, no more is no more than a, a void, a nothingness. I asked too much. I ask you now to rebuff my importunity. Why? Why? That's enough. Shut up, Christian. What's that you're saying to yourself? Uh, myself was being angry with myself for going too far. I said, shut up, Christian. Uh, it was rude, I suppose. Both pages can be heard playing. Somebody's coming. Roxana closes her window. Uh, by the sounds of it, a woman and a man. Tapocha enters. He carries a lantern and is obviously looking for somebody's house. Ah, I see what they mean. Priest. Uh, Diogenes, back from the dead, are you looking for an honest man? A woman. A lady, monsieur. Madame Magdalene Robin. Why does he want her then? Uh, that way. Keep to the right, then uh, right again. Uh, always to the right. God bless you, my friend. I'll say... A decade of the rosary for you. May grace and good fortune never cease to attend your holy, uh, Cacullus. <laughs> the Capuchin responds to, his, to this doubtfully. Then Cyrano indicates when the, what the team term means. The Capuchin goes cheerfully on his way. Cacullus? Hmm. Cacullus? Get that kiss for me. No. Sooner or later, it has to be done. Sooner or later, true. It has to be that labial conjunction simply because she's beautiful and you glow in the perfume of that unearned unction made up of youth and strength and comeliness. I must be an agent of her, yes. The window opens again. Christian hides under the balcony. Are you still there? We were speaking of... Of a... Kiss? The word is sweet enough. And yet, your lips are shy of saying it. If the word burns them, 
what is your presage of the thing itself? Should fear consume you? Yet, after all, you've glided insensibly from mockery to smiles, from smiles to a sigh, from a sigh to a tear. Now, slide from a tear to a kiss. But it's a heartbeat's distance from that to this. Oh, be quiet. (laughs) Soon. In a moment. Uh, How shall we define a kiss? Uh, The sacrament of a vow? The slightly stamped seal of a promise? The endorsement of a promissory note on the bank of love? The very O of love in the expectant lips? Eternity in the instant the bee sips the music of the spheres and the bee's wing? The flowering taste the flower tasting eucharist uh, a rose red ring richening already with the coming gold oh do be quiet uh, so noble a thing that we're told the the queen of france could not from her fabulous hoard find a richer jewel to bestow on an english lord indeed indeed and like lord buckingham i too full silences my unspeakable adoration of majesty in you Like him, I am sad and faithful. Like him, too, you are beautiful. So I am. I'd forgotten that. Come then. Taste your flower. (sighs) Go on. Or take your earful of the music of the spheres. Up there, now. Your sip of honey. The hell are you waiting for? You know, I'm not sure really that this is the right time. Uh, Here's your crown jewel. Bounty, you animal? Cyrano pushes Christian forward. Christian jumps jumps onto the bench and, helped by the pillar of foliage and wall, reaches the balcony. Roxana takes her in his arms. He's at his banquet. The banquet I prepared, only to end up the Lazarus at it. Still, I spared one crumb, I suppose, one comfort. And this is the knowledge that it's my words she kisses, not his lips. Good cause to be cheerful, then. The devil music starts up once more. Woman? Man? Oh, it's that capuchin again. He pretends to be running, as though he has just arrived from a distance. And he cries with a loud voice. Uh, ho, ho there! Who is it? Uh, me? Is Christian up there with you? Cyrano? Good evening, Cyrano. Good evening, cousin. I'll come down. She goes in. The capuchin enters. Christian follows Roxana. Him again. Madame Roban lives here. I have it on very good authority. Roland? Roban. Oh, sorry. I thought you said Roland. No, no, Ban. 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 Roban. I see. It makes him sound like a goat. <laughs> I see. It's, it's B, not L. One letter can make so much difference. Ban. Yes. How did you know I have a letter? Oh, I. I see, I see. A letter. For Madame Roban. (laughs) 
I am she. Madam Robon, some very holy matter, I've no doubt. The very noble lord gave it to me to give to you. Dagish. Dares. He'll dare more soon when he discovers we love each other. Angel. What does he say? He holds up his lantern for her while she takes the letter from its wrapper. Cyrano, seeing that the Capuchin is curious, draws him to one side. Uh, Father, there's a theological point I'd like to discuss. I've been studying the heresy of Sibelius and the various commentaries on it. Now, it, it seems to me that the aspective approach to the Trinity, which is, you know, of course, what the heresy is all about. Greece nods. They talk apart. Roxana mm. reads. Mademoiselle, the drums beat. The regiment is ready for the march. I have already sent the story about that I have gone on ahead, but in fact, I'm here in the convent. I'm afraid I had to disobey you. Really, it's your smile that I'm obeying. I'll be with you in a while. I'm sending this letter in advance by an old sheep-headed monk who, naturally, has not been told its content. I must see you tonight. I must. Your smile both beckons and maddens. I hope and trust you have already forgiven my audacity and will give a welcome to him who, hopefully... Sincerely, etc., etc. Father, this letter concerns you. Coming, my daughter. I never heard a better exposition of that heresy, sir. Really, I do believe that Cardinal Richelieu himself could learn from you a little. Do do I hear that venerable name? Quite a coincidence. Uh, Please, listen carefully, father. My dear mademoiselle, it seems his eminence will have his way, whatever you say or do. That is why I send this note to you by a a very holy, intelligent, and discreet (laughs) capuchin. Instruct him, please, to meet my own instructions. These are that he is at once in your house to perform the ceremonies of holy matrimony. She turns the page. No, this is tyrannical. Courage, daughter. Between you and Christian. This is hard news, I know, but all you can do is resign yourself to the command of his eminence, who sends his blessing and his wishes for much happiness. I end with my own good wishes, your humble friend, etc., etc. I knew it. I knew he was truly noble. One who could not do a thing that was not wholly holy. Who is the bridegroom? This is terrible. Ah, it's you. Roban. Roban. The will of God, daughter, is often obscure. It's I. I am the bridegroom. Are you sure? Surveying the handsomeness of Christian in his lantern light, he has become somewhat suspicious of the arrangement. Uh, postscript, give to the convent in my name 120 pistols, signed the same. A remarkable man! How rare it is to find such blue blood yoked in such a generous mind. Daughter, resign yourself. I am resigned. 
She and Christian lead the capuchin to the door. Roxana turns back for a quick word with Cyrano. Um, De Guiche may come. For God's sake, keep him here. I understand. Uh, Father, how long will you take? Five minutes. Four. Hurry. Uh, I need fresh air. I'll wait out here. Come. Oh, it's terrible. Terrible. Oh, now I must try to make some distraction for his lordship. Ah, there. Mournful music off. By the sound of it, a man. Music grows gloomy and tremulous. Very much a man in a minor key. Pages! Uh, Pages, I need you. They hurry up. Quick, you see in there something important's going on. Attend, watch, listen, and when it's done, play something. You know, appropriate. In, in. He rushes them into the house. Then he sits on the wall, hidden in the shadows. After a moment, Digish comes in, masked, groping. Where in God's name is that blasted capuchin? Damn this mask! As he gropes to the front door, uh, Cyrano leaps from the wall or balcony and falls flat as if stunned between Digish and the door. Cyrano's aim is to keep between that door and the nobleman throughout the following scene. Who are you? Where did you fall from? Uh, 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 fall from? Fall from? I fell from outer space. Where am I? Ah, a man uh, uh, with a, a black face, Africa, Earth, an Earth man? Oh, let me embrace my first fellow human for many a long day. His embrace is so impulsive that it pushes De Guiche away from the house and almost topples him. Merde! What was that word? Oh, please, please say it again. It sounded like French. Are you then one of our <clears throat> oppressed colonials? Out of my way. I have an appointment with a lady. Oh, but stay just a moment. An important moment for you. You, you have the privilege of meeting the first uh, astronaut, if I may coin the term. This will make your name, sir. Sir, my name is already made. Now out of my way. Shame on the unbeliever. Do I have to confirm my journey by exhibiting a scale or tail from the constellation of Pisces or a pail of milk from the Milky Way? Shall I shake my cloak and dust you with tiny star clusters? Uh, which, by the way, I intend to use as asterisks when I write my book. I look forward to reading it. Now, if you'll excuse me. Do permit me to show you a scar with a great bear bit? Or a bump from the pot of Aquarius? Come on now, I'm in something of a hurry. After such risks, such dangers and discoveries, is this how I'm welcomed home? You think I'm mad, don't you? He threatens frantically. No. Good. Let me tell you more. Beyond the tremulous seas with their shattering roar of space, beyond space, where the giant time meets his own tail, like a whitting on a plate where one observes our planets like fretful bees buzzing around the sun like a hanging cherry. There are such wonders, too wonderful to contemplate, 
such worlds, such lands, such beings all so very different from ours. One distant state I visited, I had to climb and climb up glittering topless ladders of woven stars to reach it. One galactic land awaits its highest honors to the fattest bellies and sifts around for a candidate for a red hat. And where the most pernicious smell is, there springs a cardinal. Millionaires and lords alone, my claim a legal right to be fed. Justice is bought and sold. A good idea. Otherwise, judges would be overworked. A far more rational system than ours here. Fascinated in spite of himself. Interesting. But now I must... Oh, yes. There's a distant planet called Erototopia. You'd like it. So sort of... uh, cornucopia of sensuality and lasciviousness the people live off love which they have to make by law some 20 times a day they ache they groan they're very thin their bones are brittle they do not they do no other work so there's little to eat or drink their pope who's fattest to it says love one another so they have to do it Oh, while we're on the subject, did you know that the shining constellation called Virgo, uh, Virgo Intacta, she's been called from the creation, uh, met with an accident? Her defloration is the great scandal of the universe. The zodiac's ringing, concentrated curse still sings in my ears. You may doubt it, but it's true. The music plays, and it sounds like a sort of gloomy triumph. And it's all over. That knows. So it's you. It is I. What's happening? Have I had too much to drink or something? You'll feel sober enough, I think, uh, when you see. The door opens and Christian and Roxana emerge hand in hand, married. The capuchin follows smiling. Servants hold torches. The pages play music. The duenna comes last, quietly crying in a negligee. God almighty! You! Heaven! You! Heaven! Heaven! Smile on, you noble lord, who have tied this happy pair is a silken cord, with God's assistance, of course, and mine too. Looking at the group with a glacial eye. As I can see. So, madam, bid goodbye to your paint-fresh husband. Bid good... why? Your regimen leaves tonight, sir. Be so good as to report at once. You mean, for the war? That is what regiments frequently leave for, madam. But you... surely I, I understood the cadets were not going... Oh, yes, they are. He takes a dispatch from his pocket and hands it to Christian. Here is the order. Pray deliver it, sir. Oh, my Throwing love. herself into Christian's arms. The wedding night is still a good way off. The thought disturbs me less than it should. Oops, again. 
That's enough. Come, let's go. God, I don't know how hard it is. I know. In the distance, the drums of the regiment can be heard. We're marching. Throughout the following, Roxana tries to keep Christian back, while Cyrano tries to pull him away. Oh, take care of him. Don't let him get into any danger. All right. I'll try. But I really can't promise. Make him look after himself. I'll do my best. Be sure he keeps warm and dry. As far as is soldierly possible. And keep him away from other women. Ah, I mean, well, the odd little chat with a waitress. And make him write to me every day. Madam, I can most certainly promise you that. The soldiers leave. The women wave and weep. The capuchon gives his blessing. The scene ends. Act four. The siege of Arras. This is the post occupied by Captain Lebert's company. In the background, there is a rampart. Beyond it, a plain stretches away to the horizon with earthworks covering it. In the distance are the walls of Arras and the silhouettes of its roof against the sky. There are tents, weapons, drums. Alternatively, of course, we can imagine all these things. There is a campfire. Sentries stand spaced out intervals. At the beginning of the scene, the cadets are disclosed sleeping. Lebret and the first cadet, both pale and emaciated, keep watch. Christian is there, asleep like the others. But as of yet, there is no sign of Cyrano. Silence. Shocking. Very intolerable. Intolerably so. God curse it. If you want to curse, keep it low. You might wake them up. Sleep. Sleep. Who sleeps times? Who takes a nap, takes a snack. But if you're a chronic amnesia, uh, insomniac, you don't need, you don't get much in the way of dinners, you know. There is firing off stage. Damn that blasted insomniac musketry. It'll wake my babies. Sleep, sleep, sleep. There is firing off stage. There is firing off stage. More? The usual crack at Cyrano coming back home. Halt! Who goes there? Cyrano de Bergerac. Halt! Who goes there? Bergerac, you idiot. As usual, thank God you're back. Oh, shh. shh. Not wounded yet? Uh, no. They got into the habit of missing me. Risking your life before breakfast to post a letter. Mad. Not, of course, that there is any breakfast. A vow is a vow. A promise, a promise. I promised his wife, as I must call her, that he'd speak to her by post if he couldn't speak on the pillow. Pale as a ghost, poor devil, starving to death. We all are. I know, but he seems to show it more than most. If only that poor child could see him now. Thin, wan, wasted. Still handsome, though. You'd better get some sleep. Oh, growl at me, you old mother bear. Don't worry, either. I'm pretty careful crossing the Spanish lines. Just wait till they're drunk. 
you might consider bringing something back sometime. I have brought something. Food? No, just a slim package for the Colonel. I have to travel light, remember? Uh, Today, though, there seems to be signs that the French are going to dine or else to die. There may be something in these letters. I got them from a spy who got them from a spy who got them from a spy. They're very complicated. I better wake to Guiche. No, grant me the privilege of being the personal courier of his letters. I wish there were some for us. A little breath of Paris, a breeze from home. Uh, Only our betters get those, and only official ones, as you know. I can only get these ones to Roxana through by forging de Guiche's scrawl on the envelope. What a mess it is. We're besieging Arras, we hope, and yet it's us who are doing the starving to death? We're besieging Aris and his eminent gorgeousness. The Cardinal Prince of Spain is besieging us. Well, perhaps someone will get down to besieging him. Not funny. Our chances won't get any better, and yet you grin instead of looking grim. Risking your life every day to mail a letter. You're unnatural. You couldn't have had a proper mother. Where are you going now? (laughs) To write another. He goes into a tent. Drawn advances. The town of Arras shows on the horizon, or we imagine it does. A cannon shot is followed by a roll of drums very far off to the left. Other drums beat somewhat nearer. The drums engage in an antipony, grow nearer, seem to be beating almost on the very stage, then die away across the camp toward the right. The sounds of awakening, the distant voices of officers. Drums, another nutritious sleep gone to the devil. The devils, I know what their first words are going to be. God, I'm so hungry. Come on, out of it. Delicious. Oh, well, just a little more, if you insist. He wakes howling. Here's a tongue for you. Talk about jaundiced. Yellow as a saffron cake. Cake? Who's a cake? Very indigestible air this time of day. On your feet, all of you. No, not going to make another move. I'd give my coronet for a chance to rob a mousetrap. And I would care whether, I wouldn't care whether it was cheese or mouse that I found there. I tell you this, if my stomach doesn't get something to stop its roaring, it's going to stay all day in its tent, like Achilles. Bread before bullets. I'm perfectly prepared to forego the butter. Cyrano, come out. There's a mutinous mutter ready to brew. Take their minds off their gullets. Tell them a tale or something. What's that you're chewing? Gun was fried in the choicest axle grease. Good rich country, this. Would you care for a piece? Blow your horns, the hunter's home from the hill. Rise, ye starvelings. I've just come back from doing a little fishing in the River Scarp. 
Yeah. Fish? Game? I I managed to hook a gudgeon. A good fat bird, this sparrow here. I recognize that it it becomes a Gascon, gentlemen, to utter a word like mutiny. There are murmurs. The red's voice goes urgent. Come on there. Come on out. Cyrano, you're needed. Coming tranquilly from his tent, a pen in one hand, a book in the other. Well? What's all this about? You, sir. I've something on my mind that troubles me. What? My stomach. So have I. But you seem to enjoy it. I've begun to find that it's uh, improving my figure, keeping my weight down. When I think of all those guzzling swine grinding away at their four meals a day back in town, like his holy grace, the cardinal. (sighs) But why envy his grease, the cardinal? Better to die of inanition than an overloaded gut. The gate of heaven is narrow, and the thin man has an easier chance of sidling in. Don't try us to don't try to feed us with epigrams, fine words, butter, no parsnips. Mm, parsnips mm, and a white sauce. I don't care much for parsnips. Oh my god, what am I saying? I am saying this I'd rather die on pointed elegances, fine words as you call them, under a sky of saffron sunset than, like you, wail and cry about my rumbling innards. I'd rather die saying a good thing for a good cause, not a dream of licking goose grease from my paws. Die at the hands of a worthy enemy rather than be degraded by the eclipse of death in a soft bed. I want to depart this life with honorable steel piercing my heart, a piercing epigram on my lips. But we're hungry! The whole world's hungry. You think only of yourselves. Here, Bertrando. He calls the old flute player. Old shepherd, as you were, play on your pipe to these poor little lambs who grouse and gripe about the griping of their guts. Put pipe to mouth and pope some of the old heirs of the South whose every note smiles like a little sister in which... We can hear through a nostalgic mist a smoke of memory, the voices of friends, the melody whose lazy line ascends like a thin wood smoke from the cottages of our homeland, a pungent tune that is the very distillation of our speech. The, old, f- man, the old man sits down and gets out his pipe. <laughs> your flute, that gnarled old warrior. Let him reach back while your fingers touch the stops and dance a minuet of sparrows. Uh, back beyond the chance that chose him, shaped him, notched him, changed him to a little glory of ebony. Let him, through you, recall his days as the reed of a river before he lost his innocence and went to war. The old man starts to play a provincial tune. Listen, you Gaskins. Now you hear no more the shrilling martial fife. It's a woodland cry, not a banshee of battle. Shrieking high, but the cool cantonella of the goat herd's finger. 
listen, it's the hill where the night mists linger, the valley and good earth like red meat, the plains like a storm of emeralds, the sweet greenness of spring nights on the Dordogne. Listen, you Gascons, it is all Gascony. Gascony. Heads bow, eyes are cast down. The odd tear is furtively wiped with a sleeve or a cloak corner. For making them cry. Yes, out of homesickness, a noble hunger, and the a nobler hunger than the hunger of the flesh. They're feeling a starvation in their hearts, no longer in their viscera. Still, it hurts their manhood, melts them down. I don't think so. The heroic uh, corpuscles in their arteries will soon flush back their scarlet. All that is needed is... He makes a gesture. The drums beat. The cadets start up at once and rush to arms. What? What? Where? What is it? What is it? Uh, 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 Monsieur de Guiche is on his way. He, he makes me... Not half as much as you make me. Sick, eh? You're not the only ones. What with all the lace collar on his corselet? Always the little courtier. Very much the nephew of the cardinal. Nevertheless, to be grandiloquent, he's one of Gascony's sons. A counterfeit. The real Gascons, us, are a bit mad, but he's a bit too sane. Rational. A reasonable Gascon's dangerous. He's pale. At least he shows that common touch. Oh, nobody doubts he can feel the pain of hunger, just like us poor bastards. But those jewels on his belt make the cramps in his gut sort of glitter like the, like the sun glittering on ice. Do you want him to see you suffering? Get out your dice and playing cards. Smoke your pipes. Try and look as if you liked this famine. They all see the point and hurry to obey. Cyrano takes out a slim volume. I'll read this book. Ragano's Rhymed Recipes. Oh no. Food. Whatever happened to Ragano? No news, no letters, only the odd rumor of this and that in Paris. His generous humor multiply ruined Ragano. The musketeer swine ran off with his wife. He preferred to dine and wine poets rather than attend to his business. This book puts him in a purgatory, not quite the hell of a cook and not quite the poet's heaven. It cost quite a bit to publish, and he's made nothing out of it. Poor devil. De Guiche enters, pale, haggard, but very much the gentleman. There is a general air of contentment. De Guiche and Lebret observe with grim satisfaction the emaciated state of each other. Good morning. If that was meant for me, I can do without your sarcastic sympathy. Black looks as usual, eh? All right, gentlemen. I'm well aware that I'm not that popular. The mountain hovel nobility, the beefless barons a la sauce bernaise, the Paragord princes are above respecting their colonel. Very well, then. Knowing the squalor of your rabbit warrens, I know how little your code of conduct matters. <laughs> Call me a crawling courtier, a politician. Resent my steel covered with, gee, something lace. 
I spurn your standards. To be a proper patrician, you have to be a pauper. It's a terrible disgrace to be a Gaskin and not go in tatters. Silence. Cards. Dice. Pipes. This dumb insolence asks for punishment. I've a mind to leave that task to your captain. You, sir, find something in the manual of military law. I am possible, I'm afraid. You see, I pay my men out of my own pocket, and I obey battle orders only. Indeed. Well, as for your resentment, I put that down to jealousy. Your conduct under fire apparently doesn't compare with mine in any way. How man of you squatting on your haunches could do the thing that I did yesterday? I lashed the Count de Bucoy out of Bopom. What are these? Pouring my men on his in avalanches. I charged three times. Without raising his nose from his book. But you failed to bring home your whiter scarf. So it's already got around then, that story, has it? It happened like this. When it was time for the third charge and I was rallying my men, to my astonishment, I suddenly found I was being thrust with a throng of fugitives into the enemy's lines. That enemy gives no quarter. I was in danger of being shot. So what did I do? I thought quickly. I got rid of the white scarf that marks my rank and thus anonymous, inconspicuous, blank. I escaped and rallied my own force. Ah, <laughs> yes. That worked well. From the brink of death to crash of victory. What do you think, my friend, of that little display of resourcefulness? This. A man's white plume is his panache, his visible soul. Not a thing to lend or spend. It's the shining badge of his scorn of his enemies. Henry of Navarre, Henry IV of France, outnumbered in the enemy's advance, never even dreamed of jettisoning his. The cadets who have paused to hear Cyrano's response now resume play in quiet jubilation. But the point is my device was a success. Yes. But he has spoken doubtfully. The cadets again suspend their activities and wait for what follows. But an officer never resigns easily his privilege of being a target for the enemy. Quietly satisfied, the cadets resume puffing and playing. Your courage and mine differ in this, monsieur. If I had been present at that heroic affair, when you dropped your scarf, I'd have picked it up then and there and worn it myself. Always boasting. No. Lend it to me tonight. And I'll lead the charge with your white scarf over my shoulder. Ah, these large but vacuous gasconades. You're safe, as you know, with that offer. Our intelligence understands that that sector still lies in the enemy's hands, and my scarf lies on the riverbank. The river is swept by their artillery. No one could ever reach that scarf alive. Indeed. He slowly withdraws something from his pocket. Bated breath awaits the disclosure of what it is. De Guiche almost trembles. When he sees that it is a field letter holder, his relief is considerable. 
The cadets are disappointed. Cyrano hands it over to De Guiche. I must confess that just of a second, a split second, but then I knew. Of course, I should have reckoned with your heavy-handed substitute for humor. I can take a joke, I trust, as well as the next man. A letter, eh? From Paris? From, <laughs> from Paris? So, the courier got through. The letter is a nest of letters. The Guiche boastfully shows the crest on the outer one. From the Cardinal, gentlemen, play that on your flute. My uncle, his eminence? Ah, you and your mutton-fat nobility. He opens it and finds another letter inside. The Covenant of Capuchins, that fool of a... He looks balefully in reminiscence at Cyrano and the sick, sleeping Christian. He opens the cover to find yet another letter inside. Cyrano sniffs like a pointer at it. Swiftly, De Guiche packs the letter away in his tunic. What are you sniffing at? Odor of sanctity. But a new Parisian perfume. De Guiche reads the covering notes sourly. Cyrano takes the white scarf from his pocket and holds it. De Guiche looks up, down, up, in a devastated double take. Oh, I almost forgot. With my compliments. The cadets keep their satisfaction down with difficulty. De Guiche looks at them, and they at once become reinvolved with their games. Very grave. One of them distractedly whistles the air of a Pfeiffer player. Thank you. This bit of white will do very well to make a signal. A signal that, to tell the truth, I was hesitant about making. But now you have kindly made up my mind for me. He goes to the parapet, climbs upon it, and then waves his scarf. There's a man down there running away! Taking my signal with him! My pet Sp uh, Spanish spy! Spy? Yes. He tells his masters what I pay him to tell them. A traitor. Yes, I suppose so. But a very useful traitor. Now, what is it we were talking about? Ah, yes. You may as well know our marshal's plan. You might find it interesting. Last night we saw an opportunity at last with reasonable luck of vitriculate, of revictual, just use words, something, doing something with the army. In silence and covered by a good black knight, the marshal marched to Doulin where our supplies are. There's a very fair chance that he will reach them, but to be sure of getting back in safety, he's had to take an exceptionally large force with him. A good half of our army is absent from the camp. Thank God the enemy don't know that. Oh, but they do. They, they do. They're going to attack us. Ah. Uh. My spy, a very reliable and pliable spy who tells me everything, asked me where I would prefer the Spanish attack to be made. My reply was that he should go out between the lines and watch for my signal. That point should be the point of the Spanish advance. You mean, I mean, gentlemen, that this is all for you. Very well. Let's get ready. They all rise except Christian, who, though now awake, sits motionless, his arms folded. Another hour. Another hour? Good. 
They sit down again and resume their games. As you will doubtless all have understood, the aim is to gain time. We're not sure when the marshal will return. And to gain this time. You will all be so very good as to lay down your lives. Would it be reasonable to call this, well, revenge? I won't pretend... I never have pretended, never will, that I care the least damn about... That I care the least damn about any of you. But since you all consider you're no end of fine, brave warriors, and this is hard to do, admittedly, leaving out the personal, you're the obvious choice. If you want to take that to mean I serve my king by serving my own spleen, I won't contradict you. Well, that's candid. May we offer our thanks, monsieur? You, whose bliss is to engage a hundred men or so, single-handed, should be rather looking forward to this. He goes upstage with the labrette and gives some instructions. There are, as you know, six chevrons in the old army of Gascony. Six. Blue and gold. There's going to be a seventh. You don't need me to tell you what that color has to be. De Guiche continues talking to Labrette. Cyrano goes to Christian, still motionless, his arms folded. Christian? Roxana. Roxana. I know. I know. I know. I should like to say goodbye to her. My whole heart. In a letter? I thought of that. Let me see. You really want to? Why not? I'm supposed to have written it. Taking the letter. What? Yes? Look, this little circle. Taking the letter back quickly, looking innocent. Circle? To me, it looks very much like a tear. Oh, well, you know how it is. Uh, When a poet writes a poem, he's often moved by his own fiction. I have to admit that I've, I've written a very moving letter. I tried not to be moved, but I was moved. Moved to tears. You mean to say you cried? Yes, I cried. And why not? Ulysses cried. Ajax cried. It's in the best heroic tradition. To die is little enough, even to die in the hot morning of youth. But never, never again to see the beloved. That's horrible. And the horrible bare truth is that I never. Christian looks at him curiously. We never, uh, you, that is. Cyrano is saved from further embarrassment by a noise of trundling wheels off the cry of the sentry. Look at that. What is it? A coach and horse. What? Here in the camp? It's coming from the enemy lines. Fire on it. No, the coachman's making signs. He's shouting something. On his majesty's service. Impossible. No. Can't you hear it? His majesty's service. What? The king? Fall in. Hats off! In line! Come on, you ragged lot! 
A royal reception. Drums at the ready. Begin. The cadets are lined up. The drums roll. Uncovered, all stand like ramrods. Onto the stage comes a coach with driver and tigers. Lower the step. Open the door. Cadet obeys. The door opens and discloses Roxana. Fresh, smart, smiling. Good morning. You, the king's service? The one and only king. Love. God in heaven! But why? This siege of yours has lasted too long. I daren't look at her. You can't stay here. Why not? Give me a drum to sit on. One is brought. She sits. Gay, beautiful, breathing, Parisian chic. Thank you. What a journey it's been. A patrol very rudely shot at my coach. It looks, doesn't it, as though it's been magicked out of a pumpkin, you know, Cinderella. Uh, good morning, again. Why so sad, all of you? Do you know it's quite away from Arras? Cyrano, I'm terribly glad to see you. Roxana, you better tell us how. I found your army. I can't tell now, too long a story, but what horrors. Grey and murky battlefields, corpses and casualties. If that's your king's service, mine's better than his. But this is madness. How did you get through? Easy, really. All we had to do was trot along. If some Hidalgo or Don thrust his head in to know what was going on, I put on my best smile. And please, I, I don't mean to disparage the French, but really, I've never seen such courtesy, such gallantry. Bowing low or throwing a salute, they let us go. Didn't they ask you where you were going? Often. And when I told them, well, the news would soften their ferocity even more. All I had to say when we were challenged was, I'm on my way to see my lover. They couldn't have been sweeter. They bowed and murmured, Vaya, senorita. Roxana. I know, husband is what I should have said, of course, but that would have done no good. You don't seem to... What's the matter? Madam, you cannot stay here. You must go away. Quickly, too. Must. At once. Christian, do you want me to go? There's the small matter of a battle. Have your battle. I stay with my love, my husband. If he dies, we die together. This sector of the line, it's doubtful whether anyone can survive. And that is why he put us here. I see. You want me to be a widow? I swear, I had no such... I swear, I am staying here. Call it a temporary madness. Besides, it's a new experience. So, the future Chronicles of France can show how a, a Christias could be a heroic? Cyrano, remember I'm your cousin. We'll defend you. Thank you. I never doubted that, my friend. You can smell perfume all over the camp. I'm going to I'm going to inspect my cannon. I'd never have thought it possible. 
There's time to change your... I stay. I'm going. Shaking his head at this female obstinacy, he does. She stays. Lend me your phone. May I borrow that brush? This tunic's a disgrace. If you'll be good enough to open your hand. Roxana does so and lets fall her handkerchief. Labrette picks it up. But why? We lost the company flag. This will fly high, shedding perfume over the camp in its place. It's very small. Yes, but it's genuine lace. The handkerchief is affixed to a pike and set on the parapet during the following. I could die happy now. If only I'd even a walnut walnut climbing down inside. It's noble to talk food in the presence of so exquisite a lady. But I'd love some breakfast. A little pate, a cold bird, wine. Would you be good enough? Absurd. You think it's all there in my coach? What? What? Partridges, pheasants, creme brulee, the lot. But it has to be carved and served, the sauce reheated, if you wish. Look at that man there, seated on the coachman's box. Recognize him? A very precious man. The coachman pulls off his hat and muffler and reveals himself. The cadets hail him with joy. Poor boys. Our good fairy. Gentlemen. Bravo! The Spaniards let it through. The wine, the poultry, and the pastry, too. He unloads the coach with the assistance of the two tigers and the cadets. Cyrano has something more urgent than food to attend to. He tries to get Christian to himself with no success. Uh, Christian, a a word with you? Uh, These cushions here are stuffed with pigeons, uh, preoccupied with Venus's face and grace. They miss these trophies of Diana's chase. We have to talk. Spread the board, Christian. Make yourself useful. The victuals are spread downstage. The cadets leap onto the cold fowls and gorge. Roxana supervises. Even if the rest of the army has to starve, at least the Gascon have a joint to carve. Before we're carved. Captain, you look unnaturally healthy. And as for you, have you changed your mind? No. Go while you still can. No. Oh, very well then. Give me a musket, I'm staying too. Spoken, sir, like a man. At last, you're showing your Gascon fortitude. I don't desert ladies in danger. Why don't we give him something? I fight, sir, and I fast. This condemned man requires no breakfast. Not, I'm not even trying to say that word, like this motherless brood. Hear that? Paca did no. It seems we've got a new recruit. He's one of us at last. The cadets cheer, some of them ironically. Lubred comes up. My pikemen are lined up, accoutred, armed. Madam, will you inspect them with me? 
Charmed. He offers his arm, which she takes. They go off together. Cyrano leads Christian downstage. Something to say, you say? Listen. What? Roxana is going to speak not of a letter, but of letters. Wow. Not just a few. A lot. You wrote a great deal more than you thought you did. What? Look at it this way. I had the task of articulating for you. I didn't ask whether I should write or not. I I wrote without mentioning it. When I assume a commission, I devote a sort of silent attention. In God's name, how? We're under siege. We're totally cut off. Well, before dawn, it's easy enough, you see. Uh, I'm able to cross the lines. The truth is beginning to dawn. Oh, I see it now. I've written more than I thought. To be, to be precise, how many times? Once a week, say? Twice? Three times? Four? Rather more. Every day? Yes. Every day. Twice. You see. You say there's only one thing that will make a man mad enough to... Roxana enters alone. Cyrano leaves. Roxana. And now at last, dear Christian. Now at last you can tell me why you risked. At last I can. Blame your letters if I can speak of blame. That lyric flood from the battlefield. Not a day has passed without their burning up my day. A flame that blinded me last to danger. So, just for a bundle of letters. Oh no, you don't know your own genius. Oh, it's true, there once was an evening of jasmine, lilac, rose, when I began to adore you. Your soul arose in perfume to my window. The true you made itself known in a voice. But then that voice sang to me every day. I had no choice but to come running. If patient Penelope had received such letters from her lord Ulysses, she would not have woven, woven endlessly, but rushed to him to cover him with kisses, maddened with love as Helen once, once was maddened. But I read your letters, reread, re-reread them, saddened by my unworthiness, but gladdened by the knowledge that you, like Jupiter, had descended to me a hapless simile, your words all golden petals, the flower that shed them, your soul, a soul afire with sincerity. With sincerity. I came across them. Oh, my cross is the cross of my stupidity. My soul sinks to its knees from which I know your love will raise me. But the heart that lies crushed by love's burden cannot be raised. It cries, forgive me, dearest. Let me veil my eyes in anguish. Tell me how I can atone for the sin that lies upon me like a stone. The insult of loving you for your beauty alone. Heavens. Later, I learned, just as a bird learns how to soar, 
to feel my spirit stirred by the totality of you, flesh and soul, loving the two together. But the goal of true love should be elsewhere. What do you love now? You, the essential you, the true free being hidden by the casual dress of flesh I loved you for at first. I can guess what torture it was for a great soul like yours to see love lavished on mere caricatures of your true self. The eyes, the lips, the hair. But then, with wisdom, with most patient care, you showed me that in your words, your words, the key lay that would lay bare your heart. I see that first fair specious image now no more. What I loved before was a mere bauble. Now I love a soul. Rather be loved as people usually are. A bit of body as well. Here then, the crooks. Henceforth, I shall find distraction in your looks. Your beauty is a barrier to you. If you were ugly, twisted, all askew, dwarfish, deformed, I feel, I know, I should be able to love you more. The greater good needs not the lesser good. It was good enough before. Oh, tear off your beauty with a rough, rude hand. Learn an unwanted ugliness and see how my love shines. Ugly? Ah, yes. I swear it. Ugly. Christian turns his back on her, faced with a terrible decision. Leave me. Leave you? Just... For a moment. I have some thinking to do. You must mourn my friends with a smile. Before they... Dear Christian. Dear, dear Christian. And she goes up to the parapet to converse with the cadets, who are getting their muskets ready. Cyrano, seeing she has gone, looks out of his tent. Christian speaks to him. Cyrano comes on. So I know where I stand. You heard? She doesn't love me anymore. Stop that, Christian. It's you. She loves my soul. You are my soul. Too true. And you love her. I? No. That too is true. Madly. More. Tell her. No. Not. Look at me. Oh, yes. Ugly. Ugliness is what she wants. She wants me to be ugly. Yes, I heard. Can you blame me if I bless the thought? You mustn't believe it. You must not believe she wishes you to... Let her choose. Tell her everything. Not this cross? This gallows? No, no. Look at me. I'm a non-entity cursed with a pretty face. Must I destroy your happiness for that? And this mere trickery of words I have because of that? Go back with her. Love her. You deserve it. Boy, you deserve it. God, I'm on the rack being my own rival. I want to be... Come. 
loved for what I am, holy and dumb, or else not loved at all. Can you see clever as you are, that basic simplicity? It's for our marriage. That was a fraud. Clandestine, unrecorded, and dear Lord, unconsummated. Two beds, both cold. This whole discussion is academic. We're both going to die. Oh, you must live. As for dying, that's my duty now. You're being obstinate. <laughs> what I am, or not at all. I'm going to see what's happening there. Talk to her. Let her choose. I know what her choice will be. You. Suppose I can help. Roxana. No, no. What is it? Cyrano has something to say. Important. He goes up to the parapet and takes his musket. Important? Oh, he's gone. I, I seem to have said something to upset him. Uh, I know what you s- said. Did you, did you mean what you said? Don't be afraid of saying it to me. Even if you were ugly? Even if he... Gunfire begins. The cadets go into battle, including Christian. Ah, they've started. Terribly ugly? Terribly. Twisted, deformed, grotesque. How could he be anything but noble, sublime, great-souled? You'd still love him. All the more. Oh, God, is it possible? After all, possible. Roxana, listen to me. But Labrette rushes on and up to Cyrano. He whispers something. No. What? What's happening? I can never say it now. Finished. You were going to tell me something. Something. Yes. Uh, Whatever it was, it doesn't matter now. Uh, Here's something new to tell you. Christian... And I, this I swear, because it's God's own truth, was a great soul. Was. You say, was. Oh. It's over. Cadets bring in the dying Christian and lay him gently down. Roxana runs to him. Christian. He was first over the parapet. The first shot got him. They're attacking. Come on, steady. Muskets! Cannon! Christian! Thirano speaks quietly to Christian while Roxana sobs. I told her everything. It's you she loves. Sana. Measure your fire line. Fire. Bayonets ready. We hear the shattering noise of the guns. Speak, my love. Charge! He's not dead. Speak, my love. My love. I love his cheek cold against mine. A letter here for me. She takes the letter from Christian's bosom. My letter. Roxana, I I must go. They need me. See. Stay a while. He's dead. You were his friend, the only one to know his greatness. 
Yes, Roxana. He was a great soul, wasn't he? Yes, Roxana. And now, and now, gone. He weeps bitterly. And I must die today, knowing that she, unknowing, weeps for him, but mourns for me. The signal. Reinforcements coming. Hang on. On this letter, his blood, his tears. Surrender! No! His brave blood, his tender tears. She faints. Bagano, who has been cowering under the couch, under the coach, runs to her. This battle, suicide. Get her away. I'm going to lead the charge. De Guiche staggers on with an arm wound. You've proved your valor, Monsieur. Now do what you have to do. Get her away. I'll get her away. If you can hang on here a while, we'll win. Roxana comes too. She staggers off with De Guiche and Ragano. We'll see. Goodbye, Roxana. Labrette totters on, wounded. We're falling back. I got two hits in the shoulder. Don't worry. I have two deaths to avenge. Christian, my happiness. He raises the pike with Roxana's handkerchief on it. So fly high, little flag. They're coming over. Let them. Fire! Fire! Charge! The banner of Imperial Spain appears over the parapet. A Spanish officer appears. Who are these men so anxious to be killed? <laughs> these are the Gascony cadets. Captain Le there is their chief. Barons who scorn mere baronets. These are the Gascony cadets. The rest is lost in the noise of battle. Act five, a convent park. It is 15 years later, 1655. The park of the convent of the Ladies of the Cross in Paris is rich in autumn foliage. In the center of the stage is a great tree set in the middle of a small oval space. To the, le to the left, the conventual house. To the right, a stone bench. Upright, a chapel. In front of the bench, there is a sewing frame. Beside it, a small chair. Skeins of silk and wool in a basket. The tapestry in the frame is unfinished. Nuns are coming and going across the park. Some seat themselves on a bench with Mother Marguerite to Jesus while leaves fall. Sister Claire admired her new coif in the mirror. Twice. That's less a sin than an aesthetic error. Nothing much to admire there, very plain. We've had one tale, so let us have another. Sister Marta is a thief, Rever Reverend Mother. She stole a plum from the plum pie when the cook had her back turned. May it give you a pain. Thou shalt not steal. It was a very small plum. My look in the mirror was a very small look. Two looks. It seems I shall have to complain to Monsieur de Bergerac. He's due to come this evening, though it grieves him to hear of your sins. Please don't do that. You know he'll make fun of us. He'll say that nuns are greedy. Frivolous. Also good. However sternly he begins, he always ends by saying nuns are good. Good. 
It must be 10 or 11 or a dozen years since his, he started his Saturday visits. More. He's been visiting us ever since his cousin came here to live. 14 years since that sore, sad loss. Since he brought her, since he brought her worldly widow's weeds, as he puts it, to offset our virgin lilies. Very poetical. He's very poetical. A black dove. He once said a man among grounded seagulls. His skill is all in worldly things. Was he ever in love, I wonder? Such a gentleman, yet he leads a very aggressive life. He said to me once that there's a kind of panache in virgin vows. What did he mean? I think I know what he means. The white plume of celibacy. He made a rhyme about it. How does it go? He's witty. He's the only one who can make her smile. Very droll. He likes our cake, too. It's such a pity he's not a good Catholic. We'll convert him in time. No, I forbid you to meddle with his soul. His soul is his own. Besides, if you annoy him, he may stop coming here. But how about God? Rest easy. God, being omniscient, knows all about Monsieur de Bougerac. There's not one Saturday I haven't heard him say, Ah, oh, dear sister, and in a proud sort of way, to Dear sister, I ate meat yesterday. Really? I'd be more ready for praise than blame if he was telling the truth. The last time he came, he hadn't eaten for three days. Oh, no. He's poor. Very poor. Who told you so? Monsieur Lebret. Apart from things like prayer, why doesn't somebody help him? Nobody dare. Upstage on a tree-lined path, Roxana can be seen, window cap, widow caped, long veiled, de Guiche grown magnificently old is with her. They walk slowly, Mother Marguerite rises. We'd better go in. Madame Magdalene has a visitor. Isn't that the Duke of Gramont? The Marshal? I think so. It's a long, long while since he came to see her. He's busy, I suppose. The court, the camp, the world. She shudders at the word. The nuns go in. Roxana and de Guiche come down in silence, talking, and stop near the embroidery frame. God knows how you can bring yourself to deprive men's eyes of all that golden beauty. You propose to stay here forever? In mourning? Forever. Ever faithful? Faithful. My future lies among the faithful. Have you forgiven me? I'm here. That has to mean I've forgiven you. Christian, was he really so... If you knew him. I didn't know him. I didn't particularly want to know him. That last letter of his, do you still wear it next to your... Still in forever. Like a sacred relic. I'll never understand. Such a sterile devotion. But to me, he isn't really dead. It's as if we still meet in some special region, sustained only love. Not devotion. Living love. Love between the living. 
So, you see much of the man who brought that letter home? Cyrano. Oh, yes. My old friend acts as my gazette, my weekly periodical. Out Saturdays under that tree. If the weather's fine, they set a chair for him. I sit and wait and do my embroidery. The clock strikes, and on the last stroke I hear his step and his stick tapping the stone steps. He's so regular, I never turn to see. First he laughs at me for what he likes to call my Penelope Webb, and then he retails the chronicle of the week, and... Oh, there's Libre. Uh, Libre, how's our friend? Not well. Not well at all. He's exaggerating. It's just as I say, just as I've always said, loneliness, wretchedness. He writes those satires of his, determined to make more and more enemies. He attacks false saints, false nobles, false heroes, plagiaristic poets. In fact, more or less everyone. That's no life for anyone. Everyone goes in terror of that sword of his. That's one thing. No one dares to touch him. That may be so. Oh, it isn't the violence, I fear. It's this loneliness, as I said. It's hunger, poverty, it's ravening December with wolves at its heels, battering the door of his dark hovel. Soon they'll catch our swordsman off his guard. Every day, you know, he had to tighten his belt by one more notch. Even his poor old nose isn't the same. It looks like discolored ivory. And he had only one rusty, rotting black serge coat to his name. This is the world. This is how the world goes. He takes what comes. Don't pity him too much. My Lord Marshal. Don't pity him, I say. He lives his life as he wants. He's one of these rare animals that have opted to be free. My Lord Duke. I know. I have everything. And he had nothing save that one thing. Nevertheless, I think I'd be proud to shake him by the hand. Now I have to go. I'll go with you as far as the gate. Nagish salutes Lebray and turns with Roxana towards the steps. Then he turns while she climbs. I think I envy him. Yes. Envy him. There's such a thing as success which sickens like excess. When a man wins the big prizes, having no glaring sins to reproach himself with, filling the foreground up, he feels sinful nevertheless, defiled from the top to toe. Not with remorse, remorse is too considerable a thing. Rather, as though under the silk, under the velours and ermine, there crawled a vague disquieting breed of vermin unknown to moral entomologists. Pride bloats to more pride. Power never rests. The duckle robe sweeps up the stair with a dry rustle of dead illusions, a sear whistle of regrets. Just as your veil there, trailing as you mount this literal stair, draws a whisper of dead leaves along. I must say, the sentiment does you honor. Yes. Lebret, Permit us a brief word. He goes to Lebret and speaks quietly. 
It's true. No one dares to attack your friend, not openly. But the hate grows, and hate will find a way. I think you ought to warn him. The other day at court, one of his haters said to me, De Bergerac may die accidentally. I see. I hope you see. Tell him to stay at home. To be careful. Careful. Whatever I say, he treads his own path. He's coming here today. All right, I'll warn him, but... Yes? What is it? Madam, this man Ragano would like a word with you. Very well. Bring him to me. I suppose he's come for sympathy. A dram to warm him on his long, cold, downward road. The things he's done. Pastry cook, poet, singer. Bathhouse attendant. Actor. Parish beetle. Hairdresser. Teacher of guitar. Poor man, with his fortunes always in the descendant. What next, I wonder? Dear madam, dear sir. First, tell your troubles, if troubles they are, to Monsieur Lebret. I'll be back. But, madam, uh, I suppose, after all, I mean, you're here. Uh, anyhow, it perhaps better that she shouldn't, not not yet, anyhow. And anyway, I went to see him just now, our, our friend. I mean, he was just coming out of his house. I, I hurried on to meet him, but he was walking quickly. At the corner of the street, there's this uh, uh, upper window. He was passing under it. I, I wonder if it really could have been an accident. I, I wonder. Anyway, oh, my God. A servant. I saw it was a servant let a chunk of wood drop, a great heavy log fall, fall. On, on top of? Oh, no. I ran up to him as quickly as I could. What are you trying to say? He, he was lying there on the ground, a great gash in, in his... Dead? Just about alive. I, I had to carry him up to his room. Have you ever seen his room? My God. Is he suffering? He doesn't feel anything. He, he feels nothing. Did you get a... I got a doctor uh, to come out of charity. God help him. We mustn't tell her. N- not yet. Not all at once. What did he say? Uh, the doctor, what did he say? Meningeal fever. Another... Technicalities, lesion, something, other. Oh, if you'd seen him lying there, all bandages. But you will now, of course, right away. We must go quickly. He's all alone there. If he tries to get up, and he will, I know he will. He may, he may, he, he may. Through the chapel. This is the shorter way. Roxana appears in the doorway and calls to Lebret as he and Ragano go toward the chapel. Monsieur Lebret? But the two rush off without responding. Going off when I call him? Ragano, poor man. Must have been unusually pathetic. Oh, this last September day makes my old sorrow smile. It's as though... April had come to golden maturity, <coughs> so that the fall is the fall of spring. 
A gentle end, the mirror of a gentle beginning. She sits down to her embroidery. Sisters Martha and Claire bring in an armchair, place it under the tree. The old chair for my old friend. The best of all the chairs in our in our parlor. Thank you. She starts work, the clock strikes. So, the last stroke. The hour, this is strange. He was never late before. Perhaps that nun who's always trying to convert him is trying again. I've never known him to be as late as this. He ought to be converted by now. Here he is, madam. Monsieur de Beaujac? Hmm. These old faded colors. Difficult to match them. She embroiders. Cyrano, very pale, his hat over his eyes, appears at the top of the stairway. The nun goes off, troubled. He comes down the steps, leaning on his stick, keeping upright, only by a visible effort. Roxana speaks to him in a friendly banter. Late for the first time, Cyrano, after 14 years. Cyrano reaches his chair with difficulty. His gay tone is terrible contrast to his tortured face. Maddening, I know. Makes me mad. Forgive me, please. I, I was detained, I'm afraid. Well? Uh, by an unexpected visitor. Was it a tiresome visitor? Very tiresome. Did you send him away? For the time being. I said, uh, <clears throat> you must excuse me. This is Saturday. On Saturday, I have a regular engagement. Do me the favor of uh, returning in an hour or so. Mm, you'll have to wait some time. I shan't let you go before dark. It's just possible, I'm afraid. I, I may have to go a little before it's dark. My apologies. He leans back in his chair. Sister Martha crosses above the stairway. Roxana motions for her to wait. You're neglecting your duties, Cyrano. Here is someone waiting to be teased. Aha. Yes. <clears throat> Come here, sister. Sister Martha approaches. You of the beautiful downcast eyes. Nun raises her eyes and is shocked by Cyrano's face. He indicates urgently that she must not betray her shock. I have something to confess. I ate meat again yesterday. Isn't that terrible? Terrible. And as a penance, you must come to the refectory later and have a nice big bowl of bouillon. I'll be there. You're becoming quite reasonable, monsieur. Oh, at last you've broken his obstinate soul. Now is the time to convert him. Oh, no, no, that, that, that's something I mustn't do. True, and something you have never in all these years tried to do. Bursting with holiness like a spiritual plum, and yet you never preach. Astonishing. But now, sister, I'm going to astonish you. I'm going to let you pray for me. Look at her. Tonight, at Vespers. Struck absolutely dumb. Monsieur, you forget one advantage of this profession. I don't have to ask for your permission before I pray for you. 
She leaves. Cyrano turns to Roxana, bending over her work still. Well, there's one thing everybody can be sure about, and that's I'll never see how that piece of work eventually turns out. I wondered how long it would be before you said that. A flurry of wind sends some leaves down. The year unweaves her tapestry. Look at them. Such color. Perfect Venetian red. They'll be falling fast soon. They fall well. The sort of panache. They plume down in their last loveliness, disguising their fear of being fried and pounded to ash to mix with the common dust. They go in grace, making their fall appear like flying. You're melancholy today? Never. I'm not the melancholy sort. Ah, very well, then. We'll let the leaves of the fall fall while you turn the leaves of my gazette. What's new at court? Oh, let me see. Let me see. Uh, Saturday the 19th. His Majesty was ill after eating too much preserved ginger. Eight helpings, to be precise. Uh, the court's decree was that it was high treason so to injure the royal viscera. So there and then, the offending ginger was condemned to death, and the royal pulse slowed to normal again. What's next? Uh, yes, Sunday the 20th. The queen gave a great ball, and they burned 1,763 wax candles. A minor item. Our army, so it's learned, has been victorious in Austria. Uh, there have been some scandals to do with witches... Uh, Bishop went to heaven, or so it's believed. Uh, there's been as yet no report of his safe arrival. Uh, Madame Dathis's dog, a sort of miniature canine, Madame Darthus, uh, was given an enema. Monsieur de Bergerac, that will do. <laughs> Monday the 21st, nothing. Uh, Lydamir has a new lover. Oh. A Tuesday, the 22nd, uh, the entire court removed to Fontainebleau. Oh. Wednesday, uh, the Comte de Fiesque unequivocally beckoned to Madame de Monclat. It's believed that she said no. Thursday, Le Mancini was Queen of France, <laughs> or very nearly. Uh, Friday, during a dance, Madame de Montglat, so the rumors go, said yes. Saturday, the 26th. He closes his eyes, his head falls. Silence. Roxana, surprised at hearing nothing more from him, turns and looks, rises, frightened. Cyrano? Yes? What? What is it? He sees Roxana bending over him. He quickly pulls his hat down over his face, leaning away from her in his chair. It's nothing. Nothing at all. Uh, I shall be all right. Just uh, my old wound from Aris likes to sting sometimes. Sometimes to, to remind me that it's still there. My poor dear friend. It doesn't last. Uh, it'll go soon. See, there. It's gone. We all of us have our old wounds. Mine is here. On yellowing paper, blood-stained, tear-stained, hardly legible. 
his letter. Didn't you say that one day you'd let me read it? Twilight want to. the fall. You want to, you, you really want to? Yes, today, now. Take it then. He gives him the little bag from around her neck. May I open it? Roxana is back with her embroidery, folding it, arranging the silks. Open it, read it. Goodbye, Roxana. This is the last time I shall be able to write. Loud. I have to die sometime today, my beloved. How heavy my heart is, and it is heavy too, with so heavy a burden of love, still untold, perhaps unguessed at, unprospected gold from love's new world, not to be mined, for now the time for its shining forth is all gone. Nevermore shall my eyes kiss the sight of you, the flight of your gestures. I think now of one, that way you have of pushing back a strand of hair from your forehead with that silver hand. My heart wants to cry out. You, you read it. You read it in such a way. The night is coming on. But now I can only cry. Goodbye, my dearest. In such a voice. Goodbye, my angel, my heart's treasure, my one love. A voice that I know I am not hearing for the first speaking such words. She comes softly nearer him without him seeing her. She passes at the back of his chair and leans over silently, looks at the letter. The dark deepens. Never for one second has my heart been absent from your presence. And as the night deepens, in shadows, the next world start to close in on me. It shall be that one whose love, raging and blessing like the sun that outlives all men, will live on and on beyond the sun's limits. How can you possibly read now in this lack of light? He starts, turns, sees her close to him and makes a gesture of surprise, almost of fear, then bows his head. There is a long pause. Then in the darkness still growing, she says slowly, her hands clasped. For all of 14 years, you have played the role of the old friend, affectionate, droll, but never one hint of... Roxana. So it was you. No, no, Roxana, no. I might have known every time you spoke my name. Not I, no. It was you. Roxana, I swear. I see it all now. That generous imposture, the letters. It was you. No. It was always you. The mad, dear, foolish words. No. The voice in the night. You. Upon my honor. It was all and always you. I never loved you. You loved me. It was he who loved you. Even now you love me. No. That no is not as strong as it was a second or two ago. No. No, my dear love. I never loved you. And these 14 long years when, while you stayed silent, you knew 
you knew that his letter was stained by your tears, not... His blood, though. Stained by his blood. And you never said, never hinted, never once. Why do you break silence now? Oh, because I... Lebret and Ragano come running in. This will be your last madness. How could you be so... He's here. Yes, indeed. I'm here. You ought to know, madame, that he's killed himself to come to you. Oh my god, that faintness. I wondered. I regret. I was rudely intermit... I, I rudely intermitted my gazette. On Saturday... The 26th, an hour before dinner, Monsieur de Bergerac was foully, ignobly murdered. He takes off his hat and shows the bandages swathing, swathing his head. Cyrano, what have they done to you? At Eris, I said I wanted to depart with honorable steel piercing my heart and a piercing epigram on my lips. That's what I said. My fate's a great buffoon, a balloon prickler, a deflator of the most stoic postures, a specialist in traps and trips. Look at me. Ambushed, taken in the rear in a gutter for a battlefield, my heroic foe, a scullion. His weapon, a mere fire log. My life has played a consistent tune. I've missed everything, even my death. Oh. Oh, monsieur. Oh, blubber, Ragano, my fellow poet. Poets should be dry-eyed. Cease your sobs and tell me what you're writing these days. Nothing. All I do is odd menial jobs for Moliere. Oh, Moliere. Yes, but I'm leaving the swine tomorrow. Yesterday they played Scapin, his new comedy. He's stolen a whole scene from you. That's true. The one with the great line, Que diable allait-il faire en cette galère? Murder him. Uh, when a poet has taste, he can best show it by stealing from his betters. I gather his play is a success. Your scene was a success. The audience laughed and laughed. The memory uh, makes him cry. My life, all of a piece, a shaft of sun, a puff of air, and not even a memory. Roxana, do you recall at night, the balcony, the ivied wall, Christian? I stood in the shadows underneath and left it to another to climb up and claim that kiss of glory. It happened again and again, the shadow for me, for others, the applause, the fame. That's a kind of justice somewhere. Even in the teeth of what's to come, I can say, mm, gentlemen, take this truism in your commonplace books. Moliere has genius. Christian had good looks. The chapel bell starts to ring. The nuns proceed to their prayers. They're going to pray now. Nymph, in your, in your horizons... Etc. Etc. Sister, sister. No, don't go away. 
when you come back, I may not be here. The nuns have entered the chapel and organ plays quietly. A little defunctive music. That's all I need now. You must live. I love you. Don't say that. It doesn't come into the story. When the princess said, I love you to the enchanted prince who was a toad or something, all his ugliness melted away under the sunlight of those words. Your magic doesn't work. Love, you say, as you see, still the same. How can I ever forgive myself? It's I who have done this to you. Let no shred of blame cling to your silk. I never had much acquaintance with the sweetness of women. My mother was understandably perhaps disappointed with what she'd produced. I had no sister. Later in manhood, I learned to fear the mistress with mockery in the tail of her eye. But, and God bless you for this forever and ever. I have had one friend different from the few others, a friend in a silken gown in all my life. There's another friend. I see her. I never loved but once, and now I must lose twice. Lebret, I shall mount soon to that uh, opaline presence, plunge into that crystalline river or lake of light without a lunar machine or astral rocket. What are you saying? <laughs> the moon. There are great names up there. Other friends, Socrates, Plato, Galileo. No, no, I won't have it. It's stupid, it's unjust. Such a poet, such a great heart, such a, a man to die like this, to die like this. Oh, there he goes, growling. My old bear, Lebret. My dear, dear, dear. We are the Gascony cadets, <laughs> Captain Lebray there. It's a matter of uh, the constitution of the elementary mass. Yes? Uh, the, the quinitas of the... Delirious, all that learning that the testimony of uh, Copernicus is worth considering on that particular point. Oh no. Que diable allait il faire un secle? What the devil was he doing there? Going to do there? A philosopher and scientist, poet, musician, duelist, and voyager through space, a sort of controversialist whose wit kept to a charted track but sped at a great pace a lover too who seemed to lack the luck in love of other men here lies hercule savignon de cyrano de bergerac <laughs> nothing everything nothing again sunk now without a trace i have to leave you Sorry, I can't stay. That lunar shaft is waiting to carry me away. 
punctual and impatient sort of engine. He falls back into his chair. The sobbing of Roxana recalls him to reality. He looks at her and strokes her hair through its veil. I would not ask that you mourn any the less that good, brave Christian blessed with handsomeness. <laughs> when the ultimate cold sniffs at my heart and licks at my bones, perhaps you might impart a double sense to your long obsequies. Make those tears which have been wholly his. Mine too. Just, just a little mine. Just a little. My love. My only love. But Cyrano, shaken again by fever and delirium, brusquely raises himself. The other move forward to help him, but he brushes them away. He sets his back against the tree trunk. Oh, not here. No. <clears throat> not lying down. Let, let no one help me. Only this tree. He's, he's coming. He's coming. Already I feel myself being shot in marble, gloved with lead. Let him come then. He shall find me on my feet, my sword in hand. Here no. There he is. He's looking at me, grinning at my nose. Who is he to grin, that noseless one, all bone? That's what you say. Useless. Useless. You have it wrong. You empty brain pan. You see a man fights for far more than the mere hope of winning. Better, far better to know that the fight, it totally, irreparably, incorrigibly in vain. Who are you? Who are you all there? A hundred against... No, a thousand. And I recognize everyone, every one of you, all my old enemies, falsehoods, compromise, prejudice, cowardice. You ask for my surrender. Oh, no, no, never, never, never. Are you there too? Stupidity. You above all other perhaps were predestined to get me in the end, but no, I'll fight on, fight on, fight. He swings his sword again, then stops breathless. He finally, at the end of the last speech, falls into Labrette's arms. You take everything, the rose and the laurel too, take them and welcome but in spite of you, there's only one thing that goes with me when tonight I enter my final lodging, sweeping the bright stars from the blue threshold with my salute, a thing unstained, unsullied by the brute, broken nails of the world, by death, by doom, unfingered. See it there? A white plume over the battle, a diamond in the ash, the ultimate combustion. Roxana looks at him inquiringly. She kisses, kisses his forehead. He opens his eyes, recognizes her, and smiles. My panache.
Hail.